Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.13. After all that, you got nothing. down to the fact that Michigan is built like the kind of team that they see fourth and one and they say we can get this and Ohio State is built like the kind of team that sees fourth and one and says we got to punt this and it's not a play call it's not a sign it's what's inherent in these programs and one of these programs led by Ryan Day in the offseason thought the best way to win this game was to make a bunch of crap up was to go on a PR blitz not blocking and tackling Hiring a firm to make it seem like what Connor Stallions was doing was the worst scandal in the history of college athletics. And what did it come down to in this game? Blocking and tackling? Blocking and tackling. That's what it came down to. And catching. But blocking and tackling. Blocking and tackling, <laughs> Seth. Decisions. Decisions. Yeah. Who you are as a program. Who you are as a program under Ryan Day. Who you are as a program under Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore. Who you are as a program when you see a horrific injury to Zach Zinner, the worst injury I have ever personally seen at a football game, and you come out, and on the next play, you score a rushing touchdown from 22 yards out. And what happens when Michigan gets the ball back with eight minutes left to go? They kill all but one minute off that clock, and then they kick off, and you know what they do? I know Tommy Doman... Mm-hmm doesn't put kickoffs short of the end zone unless he's doing it on purpose. And well, so they start at the 19, and they <laughs> yeah. lose five yards. Yes. And seconds. Sec- five seconds. Yeah. And every single play on that drive, Michigan is getting pressure. Yeah. And Marvin Harrison is making a miracle happen. They're getting lucky because their tight end drops a pass. But it's coming. They fumble to each other. They fumble to each other, but it's coming. And you know what happens? You know what happened two years ago? When Aiden Hutchinson was motioning at Dewan Jones, I am coming for you, and Dewan Jones ends up on his ass, guess who ends up on his ass? Donovan Jackson. And you know who put him there? Jalen Harrell, the man who can't rush the passer. <laughs> and boom, Kyle McCord can't get, any, can't get his throw off, and who picks him off? Rod Moore, the three-star from Ohio that Ohio State ignored. 30-24, this is the MGo Blog Podcast. Damn, yeah! <laughs> Did you see the Moore quote after the game where he had told his classmates and teammates in high school that Ohio State was not going to beat Michigan when he was there? Right. Now he's three for three. I mean, a lot of guys probably say that to their classmates. Yeah. I doubt most how, of them are right. How many Michigan, player, how many Michigan players go and, and do that? 
Charles Woodson. Yeah. And uh-huh. that might be the list, at least in our lifetimes. We would like to thank Underground Painting for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Guide, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Winewood Organics, Signal Wire, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, the Autograph Rewarding Fans app, and Venue by 4M, where we are live right now, listening to some smooth jazz. What if Ohio State never beats Michigan again? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Well, but like, it feels like Ohio State fans did three years ago and that they have been driven completely off the deep end by the most recent three events. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it felt like that before this when they decided Connor Stallions is the reason that they've been losing to Michigan. They retconned those games. Yeah. They lost by three touchdowns two years in a row. And the way they lost those games, 2021 was Hassan Haskins going absolutely ape in the the second half and them being completely unable to block Aiden Hutchinson. That has nothing to do with, oh, we got your signals. Yeah. And then in the... Well, no, but when you don't have the facts you spin the narrative but uh, like for a solid month i could have tweeted out a picture of a cat eating ice cream (laughs) and i would get 64 (laughs) ohio state fans and 32 michigan state fans in my mentions being like cheaters with a z but what about that surprising points well it was it's just they latched onto it and it was it was like watching an entire fan base two entire fan bases like completely believe Pizzagate, which if you aren't familiar, was some sort of weird conspiracy theory that the basement of a DC pizza restaurant, which did not have a basement, <laughs> we, we, was, can, we can we was can like, a, like a like a we can ring move of, on from this. No, no, no. This no. is important. It was I, like I a, it, it was like a it was like the the pedophile ring right. for Hillary Clinton and everybody in the Democratic Party. Let's, right. That is exactly what my mentions have been for a month. Well, that's like everything you did over the past two years is tainted because of Connor Stallions. Okay, who just won that game? And how did they win that game? What was the manner in which they win that game? Is it a fluke? No. How many points did you score? You scored 24 points. That. That's below the Brian Ferentz. That's below the Ferentz line. (laughs) The last three years of Ryan Day are below the Ferentz line. He's still at 74% of the points he said he was going to put up on uh, Michigan. And you knew about it last year. Yeah. And you changed all your signals, and then you're like, oh, we couldn't change all our signals. We couldn't use a wristband because several of us can't read. Get out of here. Yeah. You know what has been beautiful for the past 24 hours? Silence in my mentions. <laughs> Why are you on Twitter so much? Or is that a different podcast? Because I got to do it for my job. That's, that's, and also, that's what I tell my wife, too. I am a... That's what I... Right? See, Seth got it right. That's what he tells his wife. But, like, you know, you get, in the, you get on Twitter after this game, and it's just a glorious string of thring, things you want to retweet from... Well, that's true. Horace you, Prettyman. And, you had some good ones. I will give you that. So... It, you know, it, it, it is a simultaneously the worst cesspool in the history of media, and it is also like a a, a, a font of joy. Yeah, it was it's a just humanity in a different light. That's all. But Cleveland, Cleveland dot com is still talking about them wiping twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two off. I'm just Cleveland dot com. I'm just so happy and relieved that 
none of this ended up mattering because it was all bullshit from the start. And anyone who actually knows ball would tell you that, <laughs> as the kids say. As the kids say. And they all did. All the people who actually know what they're talking about were like, this is nothing. Yeah. And Michigan. Coaches. <laughs> except, well, except the people who had a vested interest in getting Jim Harbaugh fired well, we because right. he's beating up on their asses. Yeah. Even then, like, Kirk Ferentz got off the phone call, which was like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I don't need to be part of this. Because everybody, to whatever extent, is doing yeah. some well, of Kirk this anyway. Ferentz, so so that, that's the difference. Is Kirk Ferentz knows that he's going to choose his own time when, he, when he's done. Right. Well, and then Matt Rule actually said, Matt like, Rule I don't care it, yeah. about this at first. And then after it started building momentum, he turned around and he started something about, like, the Well, you know what started happening to, to Matt Rule. He started losing all the games, like Nebraska loses all their games again. Right. And so you get this media pressure. You get this heat, and you're like, oh, I got to take some heat off. So I was like, oh, yeah, that game against Michigan, I guess they had our signs. Like, bro, did you watch the game? <laughs> I mean, yeah. E- even Kirby Smart made a comment about it. Now it was like sort of in jest at Michigan. but No, like he didn't he, make a comment about it. He, he was asked, and he was like, I had no in- indication that they had our signs. No, just, he said, I don't remember anything from that game right, yeah. that indicates that they had our right, signs. Which right, which is like, that's a flex, but that's what you get to do when you're Kirby Smart. Yeah. Now, when you're but first, also, he didn't. Come down on Michigan and no. say, yeah, we got to, you know, whatever. But he doesn't have to. Well, But no. Bert has to. Because every one of those guys is in a job where they're probably getting fired. And for many of them, it will be the end of the road as a head coach. Tom Allen just got the axe. Yeah. And so anything that Tom Allen could grab onto and be like, oh, it's not my fault, he's going to grab onto. Now, he got a $20 million buyout, so he's, he's cool now. Wow. And you ask him now, he'd be like, ah, it didn't matter. <laughs> but when you're on that phone call and you've got Alan Haller whining and crying about oh, the player safety, like, I, I, I mean, it would have gone nowhere in almost any other time in conference. It was they needed Tony Petiti, the grandest idiot of yeah. all time, to like have no idea what he was doing because he was a TV guy. Well, and he listened to them. He's and supposedly the, a lawyer. And like, as soon as. I hear these things coming from guys. If I'm a good lawyer, I'm like, oh, there's some pretty, there's some pretty big holes in this story. Like, if it's a threat to player safety, Alan Haller, why did you stop signaling in the plays from the sideline after two drives? Were you just willing to risk your player's safety, or, he, or were you, is this just a front? He was railroaded. This guy, but this anyway, guy is a dumb. Yeah. So after all the noise, finally, in the clear light of day, silence, and that's why. This was the most important Ohio State game of my life. I mean, this was the biggest game ever played in that stadium, I would argue. Yeah. I I mean, one of the biggest games in college football history. When I, you, you you look at like this is the end of the Big 10, this is the end of the, you know, the end of the line for what college football was. Next year is a 12-team playoff where even a game like this is probably not going to matter as far as getting in the playoffs. No, it's and it, and it may depending on how things go not matter in getting in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. So this was was like a quarterfinal. And it was a quarterfinal with the context that Ohio State tried to sabotage Michigan's program. But part of it is is deeper than that, I think. Because, well, all right. So this was a big game in trying to get in the playoff and trying to win a national championship. But if anything goes wrong and that doesn't happen, winning this game... You can go back and rewatch it. You can go back and re- rewatch parts of that season and look through photos and see videos and tweets of this game and still remember it fondly because it feels like it's almost two different seasons for Michigan after what happened in October where th- it was about, okay, 
we need to put an end to all of this on November 25th. And then we deal with the postseason. But it this was a culmination of like what you've been talking about. All of the BS, all of the narratives, all of the media spins, all of the, the people on I, Twitter. And then it's like – and then Blake Corm's right. There's still more on the table. Yeah. But it does feel like they're almost two different seasons. Yeah, and, and one thing that you – I mean, this shuts up Dan Wolken, mm-hmm. shuts up Paul Feinbaum. I mean, it doesn't. No, because <laughs> no, these guys yeah. are still getting paychecks. But, he's he's got to get Alabama in the playoff now. But what do you? What do you? What do you? How are you going to say that this made a difference? How are you going to say after all this that Connor Stallions was the difference maker, the guy making fifty-five k? And I I don't know if we want to go there yet because we're still in the narrative part. But like, I looked at that game and I was like, I mean, Ohio State can win that game. They had chances to win that game but they lost it because they got beat on the field in the same way i mean they were driving down the field and you're sitting there and like well they still have marvin harrison i think ohio state played the best game that ohio state could play i and that that was their best shot they they knocked out michigan's head coach and i think there were opportunities there where harbaugh makes a different decision than sharon moore possibly i think that they you know they took their best shot and then We'll go over these later, but like you know, when they threw the ball down the field, they made their catches. Yep, every one of them. Every one of them. This is the best. There was one they didn't make. The oh, okay, yeah, one. yeah, the first one. But yeah, they, well, I'm I'm talking about like when they. But that, he's yeah. talking down the field on. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then there's the Quentin Johnson one. We'll get into all of them, but yeah, but this is this is pretty close to you play this game out again, and this was best case scenario for Ohio State. They played well, and they're just not good enough to beat Michigan. Because of who they are. And that goes back to the reason that this scandal-type substance happened in the first place. Because they didn't think that they could. Yeah. But going into this year, it's like, okay, we well, got Kyle McCord. We don't even know if he's going to be our starter over Devin Brown. They got J.J. McCarthy. They got Blake Corum. We're not going to win this game. So what can we do to turn it around? And, the, the, I mean, honestly, they did the best possible job they could at that aspect of being a football program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, one's, no one's ever done a better job. And what did it get you? It didn't get you in. Amos Alonzo Stag was probably impressed. He's like, man, I tried so hard to railroad Yost, and I couldn't get him as bad as yeah, you got. Yeah, congratulations. Like, the Richard Nixon University. You did it. <laughs> you went all Roger Stone on us. And you still lost. You still lost. That's, that's what it is. You say that like, we're going to shut these people up. They're sh- it's quieter. But well, like now they're, they're now they're turning on Ryan Day. Yeah. So now like the, there's the meet at midfield guy who's like, oh, they're gonna drop a nuke on the program. That, that dude is a weirdo. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but now <laughs> and now like he he was just, just constant. Now he's just fighting with Ohio State fans about how Ryan Day is a little bitch. Right. Which is manifest. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, at least he gets to be right for once. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Big Ryan. You're correct. For the first time in your life, so where <laughs> you do, got something right. Where do you fall on that situation, or do you not really have thoughts on it? What do you mean? Well, I mean, because there was the argument all year. I mean, we've been talking about this just in different situations about, well, you know, if Michigan beats Ohio State again, you know, there's going to be people calling for his head, but he also, like, destroys everybody else. Like, is this... Yeah, is but this like, the is this the end for Ryan Day? He didn't destroy everybody else. He got lucky to win that Notre Dame game. Uh, and, like, I, but, he's been, he's been okay. propped up by the fact that the Big Ten is awful. Yeah, and he's been propped up by the fact that he's had a, he had a generational quarterback and a generational wide receiver at the same time, and he, like now 
going forward under Ryan Day, it's like, well, we don't have a generational quarterback right now. We're probably not going to have one for a couple of years. They got a lot of five-star receivers, but... But they're not all Marvin Harrison. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be guys who are good, but like not as good as Marvin Harrison, who's probably the best receiver I've seen for Ohio State ever. I mean, they've, yeah, I, they, they've just had a string of... They've had a string of really, yeah. really They've had a string ones. of dudes, but like, even like, you know... So, I mean, as a Michigan fan, do you want him to stay at Ohio State? No, I generally want chaos at all times. Okay. Um. So I, if I was... <laughs> to be honest, if I was the Ohio State AD, I'm firing him today. If I'm, a, but as a Michigan fan, I also want them to fire Ryan Day. So, wh- how do you end up on the same side as the as what's best for Ohio State as as their AD? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I I think he just needs to stay on the damn side of the right the yellow line like everybody else on the field. Well, <laughs> in any case, I mean, I I don't think that keeping Ryan like. I don't think keeping Ryan Day makes sense for Ohio State. Okay, but, but they're going to be worse next year. They're going to be this, this team. Imagine that we'll, game without Marvin Harrison. Yeah, but they also have are allowed to use the transfer portal, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think they're going to need to use. The they imported just they, they got Justin Fields out of Georgia, so yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's they might get Arch Manning or something. We'll like I mean, s- we'll see what happens. Yeah. But you know, there's I mean, there's sort of a, a little bit of a whiff of Coker going on you can't really see it in the record but in terms of performance like they dropped to 19th in sp plus after years and years and years of being one 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 and you know i I had my hot take at the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. that this team was going to the outback bowl and they actually came pretty close to going the outback bowl (laughs) despite playing one of the worst big tens ever you put an 11th player (laughs) for (laughs) their name on the field yeah they probably lose that game Well, the guy makes the interception is the big yeah yeah that's the one yeah they 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 had to pull the Notre Dame game out of their butt in yeah. a miraculous finish. And then if Kalen King doesn't pick up a holding call on that critical Penn State play, yeah. does Ohio State win that game? Probably, but it gets a lot more difficult. I don't know. That's All a 14-point right. yeah. swing. Right? I understand. That, and, and Penn State falls apart at the end because that's what happened. They're, they're behind and they have to throw the ball. But then also the Maryland game and the Rutgers game. Right. So this was – Yeah, but they walked away in both of those because the team that they were playing is – because well, Talia went, you know, went full Tata time. Well, but also like in the Rutgers game, they have that like Rutgers is, is winning in the third quarter and they're driving the field, and Ohio State gets this incredibly fluky interception. Yeah, the Rutgers. This is what. Happens. But what I'm saying is that like this team, like, they're like third in SP plus, but it feels like. Did you think that Jay, or that Milrow was not going to complete that pass on fourth and thirty yesterday? I, Come on, I did think that was not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, well, then you haven't been watching Alabama in the last like <laughs> decade and a half. This is what happens. And what I'm saying is that Ohio State finds a way. They haven't against Michigan the last few years, but they find a way to beat everybody else. Sands like two times in the last. I don't even know how. Many I know, years. but the, the way that their season played out wasn't like okay we're just going to be up 49 to nothing at halftime except that's true it's like like you know I, michigan state as a michigan fan i want them to keep ryan day because ohio state versus another you know chaos is usually you know fun but the last time they got into chaos well, the they end up is, with urban meyer yeah. another thing is is like there doesn't seem to be an urban meyer obvious slam dunk out there mm-hmm. yeah Except for Urban Meyer, but they can't but, hire him. Well, they can't. Yeah, they could. Why, why can't they hire him? 
But like this Urban Meyer, they had to fire him in the first place. But yeah, this, that doesn't mean anything. This probably like I, honestly, when Michigan State fans were talking about hiring Urban Meyer, I was like, please hire Urban Meyer. Well, that's Michigan State. But he's he's like super checked out. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like he's he's got that dog in him anymore. So I, I mean, okay. yeah, I don't yeah. know what his motivation would be. He's making money at Fox. I mean, it would have to be – they'd have to offer him so much money, and at that point – I don't think he even cares about the money. I don't think so either. I think I think he's just – he's won what he's won, and he's done. I All right. So it's possible they don't have a guy. Well, yeah, from Urban a, Meyer okay, was a from good, a, good, From a Michigan yeah. perspective, also, there's some guys in that recruiting class that could flip. Yeah. But, I mean, Ohio State with a we'll new see. coach smell by – February. I mean, there's. Well, but yeah, but I mean, there's early signing period is coming up pretty fast here, so like yeah. they have to really flip and, and then build a relationship, all that, all that crap. So it could be good for like it could be sort of good for Michigan in the short run, and getting a couple of cornerbacks in would be very good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but also be the correct thing for Ohio State to do. It's just like if you do ask Ryan Day, who's your top pick? Non Urban Meyer division. Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Fickle, I think, has probably burned that bridge at this point. Yeah, and was con- he's got a brand new contract good? that you can't get him out of. He was of. very good at Cincinnati. He was. And so I'm not going to... And then he won seven games at Wisconsin well, in a really bad, in a layup, please take the Big Ten West. And he's like, no. Well, he's trying to change that program. Which he is. is Lance Leipold's the other guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know that he works out at a, at a high power five. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they go for Leipold. I don't I don't think that Ohio State would look at him and be like, "That's our guy." But, I think Kalen DeBoer is definitely a guy that would go for. But the thing that they have done so well after the Trestle is they went and they got the guy who runs what you need to run and be innovative on offense as a Urban Meyer, and he sort of changes Ohio State and he beats Bama. Right in that playoff, and then when that start, when Don Brown f- sort of figures him out, they go to the NFL superstar passing spread. Right, and so what Ohio State has done during their dominance up until a few years ago was be at the forefront of where offense is. And where, where are you going now? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I don't know that there's a place that they should go. They might still be there. They're just other little issues that we will discuss, and you have alluded to. I mean, well, I mean, last year on this podcast. We talked about how it felt for the first time in a long time Michigan was ahead of Ohio State in the metagame. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that remains true. And you can go back to the fourth down decisions in this game. Yeah. Michigan is ahead of Ohio State because they can make the correct fourth down decisions and Ohio State cannot. Yeah. And the funny thing is is that Ohio State did the things on the field to put themselves in in a position because their defensive line was the best that it's been in years against Michigan. And their offensive line held up enough to give themselves a chance to win the game. And that is where, I mean, Urban Meyer even talked about this on the post game. He's like, what they need to do is go back and keep building in the trenches. They're losing this game because they're losing in the trenches. And I mean, that's what Harbaugh did is he built up a D line and an O line, and then he pounded them into dust and he got good running backs. And then they he built off of that. But that's what changed. That's why Michigan became a better program is because you could not stop the running game. I mean, Ohio State at this point, what they've turned themselves into and what Urban Meyer built there and Ryan Day has been in charge of is they're the pro program. 
Alabama and, and Ohio State are the programs where you're going to come here, you're going to be a professional football player, and then you're going to go to the pros. We're going to get you the stats. We're going to get you the games. We're going to put you in front of everybody, and at the end, everyone's going to be talking about how awesome you are. You will take all your classes online. You will never wander in <laughs> exactly. this building. <laughs> yes. You're ne- we're not going to distract you with anything that's not what you want to do, which is become a professional football player. And that's attractive to a lot of high schoolers who've already put in more time than most college football players to becoming professional football Probably players. more time into their athletics than into their academics anyway. And I'm not trying to knock them. It's just like that's kind and of that's what fine. it and takes. And we had plenty of guys like that ourselves, yeah. right? Like Rashawn Gary was that guy. Yeah. But that guy is not necessarily going to... Well, one of the differences is you yeah. were actually in a classroom with Michigan athletes. Yes. <laughs> you know, like they, yes, actually, I've physically seen them. There's actually, they're actually part of the university yes. community. Did yeah. you take pictures and say, just want to make sure and prove that you're here? That's what you should have done. I, I was I, I was not going to fanboy out while I'm standing <laughs> no, no, no. in front of a classroom not, with Donovan Edwards. Not, and <laughs> not fanboying, just yeah. being like, I'm just trying to show everyone that... Michigan no. athletes go to class. No, but they I run checks to make sure they go to class. <laughs> they, there are people who drop by classrooms that are supposed to have Michigan athletes in them. And they do, it's way them. more than that. Really? I, yeah, I've, that's I, good. now I've learned there's, there's there's a lot in making sure that those players are in class because that's kind of one of the things that's foundational to Harbaugh's program is that he wants to like say at the end of the day my kids are graduating, they're going to real classes and they're and yeah they I duly walked me through it one time like, there's a lot that's the other thing and we talked about this before but like that's a, the other thing Michigan did is they just changed the culture of the locker room and the team and anytime you listen to any of these guys talk they just talk about everybody else and how much they love and care about each other and how much they just die for each other and everything and that wasn't necessarily the case in like the previous you know what 10 plus years or whatever and now I mean you get I mean that's what Blake said in in the post game interview it's people are pouring around him. He's like, you know, Zinner's one of those guys that came back. He came back because he wanted to win this game, and he wanted to win a national championship. That's why I came back. And, like, that's a different level of... You don't get that out of Ohio State players. I don't think that... And I think Michigan tried to be Ohio State for a while. I think Harbaugh, when he got here, tried to be Ohio State, and he was going after those kinds of guys Uh, to a degree. I think that Harbaugh... Maybe uh, uh, maybe after 2020 is when they more focused on it, but I think that they thought about it way before then, that they're looking at a different kind of player. Yeah, They're looking at a Rod Moore. They're looking at a Mike Sainer still. They're looking at a, uh, you know, and you have to have both. You're not, it's not exact, right? But you have a guy like Blake Quorum or Zach Zinner or Trevor Keegan. Like these guys, they look at their personality before they – Yeah. And and that and they have to be a match personality wise. Someone who off the field wants to be there. Well, I mean that's what Chris Jenkins said, right? Like yeah. there was rumors he was going to go in the draft last year. He's like, I love Michigan. I want to be in Ann Arbor. Yeah, and that's why I think that there is some chance that you get JJ McCarthy back next year because sure. he's just that kind of guy. And it's funny because like you know the JJ McCarthy story is that he was at Ohio State. He wanted to go to Ohio State, mm-hmm. and Ohio State was like, No, we're going to hold off. We're going to wait. We're going to see. And then they take McCord. Yeah. And who I was just, Harrison's quarterback. Right. And I just can't imagine J.J. McCarthy. So he Ohio got turned State. down by Ohio State and by Notre Dame? Well, the Notre Dame one is a little fuzzier. But, you know, if Tommy Rees is picking quarterbacks, I want the one he doesn't want. Because <laughs> what did he try to do at Alabama? He tried to bench Jalen Milrow. Yeah. For, uh, for Tyler Buckner. For Buckner, yeah. And used him wrong all year, too. Anyway. In any case. Yeah. I just can't imagine J.J. McCarthy at Ohio State because that's that grim death march of a program. You know, they're, they're the empire. Like, 
they that is that is like their whole vibe. But you like they have this yeah. huge fascist stadium, and all <laughs> this is what I've been saying for years. And yeah, all their fans are completely miserable about everything all the time. Even when they were beating Michigan thirteen straight years or whatever, they were miserable all the time whenever anything bad happened at all. So <clears throat> we had um, uh, Craig's brother brought somebody to the Illinois game last year, and. It was so. It was obviously before the twenty-two game because it was the week before. So Michigan had won one game in a row against them at that point, and so we're all in there. And there's like eight or ten people sitting in the room, and we're just watching football. And it was the Maryland game, and Ohio State was struggling with Maryland. And he's just he starts whining. Oh, Ohio State never gets the calls. It's just been tough to be an Ohio State fan. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at Craig, and I'm like, this guy gets one more comment, and he's going in the fireplace. <laughs> I'm not on because at that point it was at, it was Ohio State week. It was it was I was on I mean, we were, we beat Illinois. You're on to Ohio State, and this guy's going to complain how hard it is to be an Ohio State fan. This is who they are. This has always been who they are. But but they to, are the to, grievous. To, yeah. to, to back to to what my point was, it is difficult to imagine JJ McCarthy playing quarterback for Ohio State. Yeah, and it is very easy to envision him playing quarterback for Michigan. With Blake Corum and yeah. Mike Barrett and Mike Sainer still. Yeah. And I go back to the season preview where I was like, these guys don't feel burdened by it. And thank God, because I can't imagine a different group of guys, just not even like fascist Ohio State players, <laughs> but like how they came through this without letting it impact them. You know, they, even when things were like, okay, we got to throw out the entire passing game against Penn State, it's fine. And you get to this end of the game, and, and Sharon Moore is, is weeping. And, like, he clearly had to be held up by some other players just to keep it together emotionally. But, you know, J.J. is the guy who gets up every, every morning and has a cold shower and has some protein. And then before the games, he meditates under the goalposts. And Blake Corum was giving out turkeys at, at Thanksgiving for the third straight year. You know, came back to play in this game, to make this his legacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a. It's hard. It, I think this is probably hardest for guys like us because the mistake that we make all the time, just like people make mistake thinking that they can take any animal when you really can't, right? This idea I that could you take can, a goose, possibly, yeah. Like a big long they're, neck, I just go. <laughs> you think so, but they're really good at moving those necks. Uh. Anyway, uh, people. Um, we imagine people are like us. We all imagine people think like us, and uh, honestly. Would any of us in this room be able to take what Michigan players take and, like, not get shook and not get – and, like, oh, no, we can't pass against Penn State and, like, okay, we can go and do no, this. No, someone – like, I was shook by Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to warn you about that for a long time. Like, I, was, right. I was like, this is a miserable experience. I'm just going to click on the mentions tab and then click I back could, over. I so, could sign out or I won't. No. And this Never. Is, this is what I'm talking about. Most people are probably more like us. Most people like us, they're just, they, oh, yeah. they get shook. And I think that there is a small number of people who aren't like that, who are just, they're weird in that way. Yeah. And I think that Michigan has found a way in their recruiting to look for those guys. But like, also, it's just like, you get these guys and it's like, oh, I'm like, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the man. And I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll do it and I'll be awesome. And these guys are like, not that. They're just joyous players. And this is the off the field culture stuff that right. we're talking about is you're yeah. finding people who are real human beings and yeah, they want to be f- football players and they probably want to have fun and all those types of things. But when they wake up in the morning, they're I, not 
just thinking about one thing. You're thinking about who you want to be as a person. I want to argue with you on that a little bit. I think most football players are probably capable of being more like what we see the Michigan players. I think, I think, I think mo- the difference is the culture at Michigan brings that specific part of you out. I, don't, well, I, I just think it's a, it's a miracle of coincidence. Seth, I, yeah. think, I think people can do that. Like, I think I, most people can do that. It's what, just that what do you invest in? When's the last time you experienced someone like J.J. McCarthy? Who wasn't like some hippie in an ashram? <laughs> I mean, he's he's a, he's a man for his time and place, but like the old version of him is Jim Harbaugh. Well, yeah. I don't even agree with that. Yeah, because Jim, Har- I, agree, I agree with you, Seth. Because Jim Harbaugh makes everyone angry at him all the time. Yeah, but that's not and, necessarily who he is. But but, J, 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 how could you not like JJ McCarthy? Like, and how could have you, you not not been on Twitter? No, 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 no. Like, I, they, I like there are people just, who hate just, him. Just outside of like, yeah. you know, the rival stuff where your your brain is poisoned. Like, how could you not like Blake Corum? How could you not like Mike Barrett, Mike Sainer? Still, the core of this team. And that just their vibe is a major reason that Michigan survived this onslaught of nonsense. And they are all legends. And now let's take a break and talk about the offense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. 
Hey folks, we're at Venue Every Week, and it seems like there's always something going on here. Whether it's a jazz trio or a wedding, you're not supposed to crash, but I'm not going to tell anybody if you crash a wedding here. I mean, you can't blame me. <laughs> but Don't you can crash, do it! Don't crash weddings. <laughs> Seriously, the food's amazing, the drinks are amazing, the people are amazing. Come to Venue. All right. Michigan puts up 30 points against Ohio State, aided by an interception that puts them at the 7 and sets up their first touchdown. A workmanlike day where Michigan manages to scrape over 300 yards towards the end of the game. J.J. McCarthy, 16-20 for 148 yards at 7.4 an attempt. Blake Corum goes for exactly 4 yards a carry on 22 carries. But what I want to do is talk about one of those carries, <laughs> and that is the, tw- the touchdown. And all year, I have been saying, well, where's that run where Blake Corum just puts half the defense in the spin cycle and does his Blake Corum magic? And that was it. So Zinter goes out. First play after that, they're just running duo. Mm -hmm. I think they just want to get everybody settled in. They got Trente at right tackle. They have Barnhart at right guard. And Corum makes a brilliant step. He knows exactly what he's doing. So he hops to his right. Mm-hmm. And then instantly he is back to his left. But that hop to the right, that one single step, took both linebackers out of the play and gave Sonny Styles a bad impression of what angle he should take. And he's instantly out the backside of that play. Sonny Styles doesn't have an angle. Michigan has a touchdown, and they never trail again for the rest of that game. And that is Blake Corum, period. That's, that, that was what he came back to do. That was what that's, we've been waiting all season. Um, I, I I teared up at the middle when this happened, and I it was because it's been all season waiting for that Blake Corum, and for him to do it to Sonny Styles. Who is like? That, do you the, think that the play was supposed to go to the right? Because if you watch that, the the right side of the it's, line, it's moves duo. You have to read down. it out. Yeah, you have to read it out. And one thing that we haven't seen a lot of is the running back putting the linebackers in the wrong gap with his action in the backfield, and that step to the right was clearly a feint because there wasn't a gap over there. There would be no reason for him to go to the right, but the linebackers don't know that. And so the uh, Steel Chambers loses his vision. So he's looking at the line now, and he's expecting to see Quorum try to come out the other side, and he's just gone. And Eichenberg is to the other side of the play, so he was never really going to get there. But then that one step gets Styles also to step that way in case he has to chase it out that way. And then he's immediately out the back. Mm-hmm. He's not making a decision to cut back to the left again. He has already decided that's where he's going, and the step is a feint. And he commits three different players with that feint, scores a brilliant touchdown. And the play of the game. Play, I mean, play of the year. And, and guess what the play of the year is? It's their base play. <laughs> it's their favorite play, which we've been waiting all – we've been talking about them all year about how, what defenses do to stop it, how Blake's just not, like, really putting somebody in the dirt on this thing. And he does it to Sonny Styles, the most athletic guy in that defense. And with the first play after Zinter's out, and so you wonder what's it going to be like kind of without your all-American guard. And so you move your much maligned right tackle to right guard, who's, you know, had his reasons for criticism, but steps up and him and Nugent plow a guy. And for the rest of this game, like Michigan is pounding the clock out. And what I noticed on on a rewatch is that, you know, Barnhart isn't the most physical guy in the world. But when he gets in a double with Trent A. Jones, it just works. So Trente is blowing guys off the line. Mm-hmm. 
like that one there's like a six yard run on, on the seven minute drive to kill it where he's got a double with Barnhart and that defensive tackle goes flying across the field and I mean this is a guy who uh, was starting and gets supplanted by Barnhart last year and he's being used as an extra tackle and just you know the things he posts on Instagram it kind of feels like this is a guy who has depression mm-hmm. the, you know it just seems like he's not always in a good place. I, I, w- I would st- I would mention it's very very hard to diagnose anybody. I, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds like he's dealing. This is with, like but, the rule number one. Psychologists don't do that. But but this is this is like yeah. the stuff that he's posting publicly doesn't like he is not like Blake. Yeah, he is not like JJ. Yeah, he's got all kinds of stuff in his pockets. And I was just you know, I'm I'm going through this game again. I'm just so happy for him because he 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 put he got put in a in a real tough spot and. He absolutely whips some ass out there, and but that's I, that's part of what football is. Is like it's not always one or two players, and just because you're not in a spot right now doesn't mean that your team won't need you at some point. And if he had packed it in or said, you know, well, I lost my job or this happened or whatever, but no, he stuck it out. Said, okay, I'm in for the tackle over stuff. I'm in for the extra lineman stuff. Then Zinner gets the worst injury like you said you've ever seen. It's like Trenta, you're up. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I'm here. And he goes out and finishes the game. Yeah. And that's and that yeah. is the same thing we're talking about. You say he's not like Blake. Well, he is like Blake because he stuck around, did his job, showed up when his team needed him the most, and won the game. And, I mean, that drive starts with eight minutes left. And there's yeah. a minute left at the end. And what what's that drive working off of? It's, it's Barnhart and Trente Jones together. And I think that maybe we found something – having the two guys next to each other out there together. Like, maybe that is – maybe that's the chemistry we need because Barnhart's the heady guy, right? He's not necessarily going to blow you off the line. Yeah. But he is – he's out there, obviously, because he's been starting since he was tw- – since 2020, since he was a freshman because he's, he's smart. He, he's calm. He knows what he's doing out there, even if he gets beat sometimes athletically. And you put him next to Trente Jones, who is your monster, right? Yeah. Your guy who's just – he's feeling. And, like – he wears it on his sleeve, obviously, right? It's it's part of who you could he he plays like who he is, right? And the combination of the two, the headiness, and like you have them right next to each other, they can combo with each other, and I think that was a big that had played a big role in the most important drive of the year when Michigan takes eight minutes in a tie game and turns it into well, sorry, sorry eight there. minutes in a three point game yeah. and turns it into a six point game with one minute left and takes away all of Ohio State's timeouts. So they have to go fast. They have to rush in the, in the last minute. I mean, I, I haven't seen the actual like you know likelihood of winning thing, but I'm sure that chart was just a graded, yeah. you know, line yeah. of, of Michigan going from like, you know, 75% to 90% or something whatever it was. Yeah, and this was a game against a very tough defense that mostly I would say lived up to the hype. I mean, it was like watching the replay, it was just I mean, JTT is not that much of a pass rusher, but as a run defender, he is an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a couple plays where Michigan had it all set up. Yeah. And then it was like, there was one where he was trying to, like, Loveland was trying to block him. And he's on the backside of the play. And he just runs right through Loveland. And I'm like, almost had it. But this guy is just cr- like a crushingly um, effective run defender. And I like, 
it was a very frustrating game to rewatch because you're like, oh, that's oh, this is oh. I, I mean, because yeah. I was charting Mike Morris, <clears throat> and and like that's kind of what he did to people. Well, but this is like he's very physical, but he's also fast enough to be effective from the backside. You can't really run away from yeah. him. And Michigan was trying to run away from him, and it just wasn't working. And there was, you know, that play was. Uh, notable. There were a couple more where he was actually on the front side and he just stapling the gap shut. Yeah. And then there's the the Edwards bounce where Eichenberg just gets him by the ankles. Mm-hmm. Just and, a really nice play. Yeah, and I think at that point he'd already been hurt and he was like basically down to one arm. So it, it was you know Michigan was pretty close to like breaking some other chunk runs, but they just got shut down by the fact that you know Ohio State has some ridiculous athletes. And this year they're much more responsible. I mean, they didn't play cover zero, I think, except in like the last drive yeah, for the I, whole game. I yeah, I I mean, I could get into the um, I, I'll get into the X's and O's later, but they were they were playing a, a level of irresponsibility that they can play because that gap that you're talking about, that JTT closed, was, had nobody in it. They had an extra guy outside for for JJ, mm. and that's why there's no. JJ runs in this game because they always have a safety or like their you know hybrid linebacker out there. Well, we'll we'll get into this. Yeah. But that, I think that shouldn't have made it so that there were no JJ runs in this game because yeah. you can always do some called stuff. I mean, they brought yeah. in the orgy package. Yeah, um, and I thought that they probably could have done that as well with JJ. Yeah, but for whatever reason they decided that they weren't going to do it at all. We had you know the injury scare before the Maryland game. It I. <sighs> I can't imagine that he actually was particularly dinged up given how he played. No, he didn't look hurt, but I do wonder if it was a little bit like we might need him. We might aggravate something. Or or... we might need him to win this game with his arm. I don't know, but I was actually very frustrated with the lack of, like, McCarthy stuff. Yeah. Um, Because even if they're sitting on it, I want to make them prove it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, well... I mean, they were crushing those gaps closed, and by doing so, that linebacker was stepping in as well and always, well, and always being there too. So, if like, you, they, if you call QB run, you get an extra blocker. Yeah. So, like, I was hoping that they would have just some design stuff for him. And I was so certain it was going to happen too when they put uh, Mullings and Edwards back. Yeah. Because you're like, Mullings can lead block. He's he's incredible as a lead blocker. Yeah. Like every time he impacts someone, they just go flying. And I'm like, I mean, like, it just feels like the longer he's here, the more positions he learns. How to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he never learned how to play linebacker. But he's a t- <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's honestly a terrible quarterback. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, was, I was actually very disappointed with the lack of game plan stuff in the first half. I was too. Because like, I felt like surely we've got something, some sort of package. And they had Mullings and, and Edwards in the backfield, and that worked out okay. They got you know six-yard runs a couple of times because Mullings was an extremely effective lead blocker. But where was like the thing that played off of it? Yeah, they, there was none of it. All They had um, – I mean they had an RPO that I think J.J. read wrong, which was that screen to Edwards – that, I think you that mean was on the first series. On the first series, that, that wasn't an RPO. That should have been an RPO. No, because the, the the wide receivers are all blocking. Yeah. So the, the not so, well, but <laughs> well, so, no, no. That, so you throw that screen and then you have a light. You have a light box. You're supposed to read that out because there's only four guys in the box. So you think he's supposed to run it? Yes. In any case, I I was not real happy with that play call because you can. 
Oh, it was obvious it was as like, soon as they motioned. We're going quads, and then they were yeah. what they were going to try to do is be like, okay, we're motioning Edwards back into the backfield, but whoops, it's a screen. Yeah, and they just didn't let it develop enough. So he like, and as soon as JJ sets up to throw the screen, Ohio State is committed to the line of scrimmage. Well, and. and well, the problem I have with that is, like, the blocks that you're counting on are from Roman Wilson and Tyler Morris. And, right. like, neither – I mean, I've rewatched that three times, and neither one of those blocks goes well. No. And then I, And then Eichenberg is also there on top of it. But so, you, you, what you do, like, when you have this, like, flashy, okay, this is going to be the Donovan Edwards play, in a game like this, you want to decoy it first. Because, yeah. like, if they decoy it, those guys are committed to the line of scrimmage, and you've got guys running free. Yeah, if it was a fake screen and then you actually had a fly to, like, Wilson or Morris, right. that makes a lot more sense. But as soon as they motioned him back, I was like, they're this just trying I, to get him the ball. That's what I've been saying about the, the uh, well, Edwards just, all season. It's that just they, like he should be a, everybody's looking at Edwards. Yeah. And it's like you can't do the play where everyone's looking at Edwards first. So yeah. the play that Zinter got hurt on was, uh, was actually a play where they used Edwards correctly. They have him go out in a wheel. And that gets Eichenberg to go out without – Eichenberg is not the guy who's got him. But Eichenberg sees him coming out of the backfield and goes, oh, crap, it's Edwards. He goes out to help. And that and creates a space for that. Yeah. You get, and you get your tight end release, right? It's just got a delayed tight end release. They flip it to Barner, and Barner gets to run for 17 yards. And that's how you're supposed to use Edwards. Well, Everyone's focusing on him. Decoy. But you just want to establish – that the look at Edwards plays aren't always Edwards. Yeah. I, I was, I don't know. I felt like they could have done more with the, the bash package. Mm-hmm. Cause they brought it in for orgy a couple of times, but we saw the bash package over the course of the season. They never threw off of it not yeah. one time. And I was like, okay, where's the tendency breaker? Where's the tendency breaker? Where's the package we had for, JJ two years ago where it's like, okay, we do this, we do this other thing, we do this other thing. And it just felt like the sequencing wasn't necessarily there. Now in the second half you get the halfback pass. Yeah. Yep. So Well you get the you get the orgy cat package. The orgy cat package. And then the July I mean that that was their best version of a July drive. Yeah. And then you get the, the Edwards double pass, which if he can step into it is a touchdown. But uh yeah. It's the way it is. He's only got the First and second best halfback passes in Michigan history. Yeah, nah, that's probably not the second best, but the first one was the best. The first one was. Yeah. I mean, that was a Vincent Smith had a pretty nice one. That's know. true. Yeah, but the like the overall sense where you get into this Ohio State game and like the John O'Corn game, I was like, oh man, we could win this game if someone else was playing quarterback. Wilton Spate because they they had a tremendous game plan. Yep, and it just didn't quite feel like that. Yeah, I I also I mean. I thought that Ohio State's defense played pretty well. And yeah. like you said, especially in – I mean, we talked about how Michigan wanted to try to control the line of scrimmage in the run game with six to seven-ish. And that's for the majority of the game what Ohio State did. In the end, Michigan started winning those battles. But for the first, you know, three quarters, two and a half quarters-ish, I mean, it wasn't like Michigan was tearing them up on the ground. They got some a couple of little five, six-yard runs – but Ohio State was able to mostly keep him in front of him. Yeah, and one excellent example of that was in the first half. They were trying to get Roman deep on double moves, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't happening. So the there was a deep shot to Roman where Burke was just over the top. That was an attempt at double move. There was um, 
the uh, the one the one at the corner, the one in, in the, the corner air. Yeah. end zone. That was another attempted double move where he hitches up and then he goes deep again. And <clears throat> speaking of guys who've gotten better, uh, Dutzel Burke. Burke. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he he was excellent and. Michigan did find something with the tight ends, particularly Colston Loveland. And we talked about this in the pregame where their linebackers are just not good in coverage. Mm-hmm. So those throws over the middle were good. And then J.J. Head, probably the two best throws of his career, possibly the best throw I've ever seen a Michigan quarterback make with the Roman Wilson touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> that was – I don't think there's – I mean, that's like Aaron Rodgers maybe that's, makes that throw, and I, I don't – I mean, that felt like a Harlem Globetrotters game. Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, he I was, threw it, and I was like, uh, and then all of a sudden, Wilson's walking into the end zone, and and I I don't even think I cheered on the touchdown because I I well no he didn't I mean he didn't catch that. There's no how did that yeah it looked you like were trying was throwing... to figure out for the next ten seconds what just <laughs> happened, and I was like he actually did that go through a guy's helmet like well, I couldn't figure it was it was like the the Cal Halliday throw on a power mushroom because. He he's got a guy his his back to him and he's like, "Oh, you're not in coverage. You're not facing me." So he just puts it right in between two Ohio State defenders. Then Roman catches it, crosses the plane. We'll talk more about the, the officiating and the I guess it's the fourth segment this week. Mm-hmm. But and then on top of that, he has the throw to Cornelius Johnson on the rollout, yeah. which is like I couldn't believe that that was a completion. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for a second there, just from the angle we were in, because they have everyone committed at that point. There's no safety deep. I thought he was going to Dalen Baldwin it <laughs> when he goes to throw it because Johnson's coming out the backside after everyone's rolling to the right, and Johnson's turns around and then he and then JJ goes to throw it, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. It was still an oh my god. Well, <laughs> but like for a second, I thought he was going to put some air under that, and Johnson's going to be able to run under it, and we would have you know one and, of those. And then he has the throw. Across his body on the final drive, <laughs> which I don't. I mean, it's complete. It's a great catch by Cornelius Johnson, who who showed out today. Yeah. I mean, we, well, we got to talk about him for in, in a bit, but yeah. And I like. I was. I saw that ball go up, and I'm like, that's a touchdown. But like, Johnson gets a little bit tripped up, and then the throw is wide enough that he has to leave his feet to catch the ball. But I was. I mean, that's a Brett Favre throw. I mean, where he's running to one side, and he just has the strongest arm to be able to put it within a catching radius of a guy on the on that he you should never throw. It's going to be coached out of you under any situation, except for like the three guys in history where you're kind of like, all right, I'm not going to tell him not to do that. He shouldn't do it, but I'm not going to tell him. But that's a that's a crucial throw because it sets up a third and one that Michigan converts, yeah. and then I think the next play is the the quorum duo bounce. Yeah. So then they're easily in field goal range, and then like the final series there I was not entirely happy with well yeah that's all right so should we uh, should we get into that into like the the Sharon Moore like you should pass sentence third and six so yeah isn't that is that more the do you want to do that or is that the third segment stuff that's the fourth segment fourth segment but just in terms of the play calling there like yeah after day doesn't take his time out I want you to throw there yeah because it's third and six they will have a timeout, but that's not nearly as useful as the 40 seconds they just blew. Right. Right, because that was – if they called the timeout when they should, then Michigan has to decide, do I want to try to get the first down or do I want to burn the time? Yeah. And here they didn't have to make that choice. And right, so, they did it for them. Right. And there I'm like, I'm throwing all day every day. And then on – It was there. Right, like, unless they're going for it on fourth down. <clears throat> 
I, but they didn't. Well, well, they didn't get enough. If they if you get four yards there and it's fourth and two, then you're going foot on fourth down. Yeah, I mean to me that like this feels very fourth segment, but yeah, but yeah. I was like I loved the fact that they started that drive off with a pass. It was just a little dink, a six yard yeah. out to Cornelius Johnson, but that sets up the first first down, mm-hmm. and then. Getting a little trouble on the second one, and JJ pulls it out of his butt. And all right, here we go. <laughs> but the I, the pass on the first play was was I think key to the whole enterprise. And then once you get down to that final series, I I would have done a couple of different things maybe, but you can't really like overall your play calling grade on that drive is a solid A because you killed almost all the clock and got yourself in a situation where you're up six instead of three. It's just, it was so close to being like ball game. I know. Well, that's, here's, that's the, here's the thing is Corum gets the bounce run on first and 10 and gets 14 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if he gets nine and a half, it's over. Yeah. If he gets eight or nine, if he sees it and goes down at the 30, because mm-hmm. then Ryan Day has to call timeout. He does. And then you get two, three chances to get a half a yard or a yard. And now you get a full set of downs and you're down timeouts. That's it. That's true. Yeah. And that's why I was like, because I was sitting there in the stands watching it, and he got the corner, and I'm like, oh, get eight. Get eight. Get nine. <laughs> get nine. No. Oh, he got 14. And you're like, everyone's like, yeah, first down. And I'm like, actually, that's probably worse. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. He, he could have gone out of bounds and not lost time because it was outside of two minutes, right? I mean, he, maybe. I'm not familiar he, with the rules. He stayed. No, it's, like, it's two minutes, but like he, he made sure he stayed in bounds because it was like – Yeah. Was just, I mean, that would have just been like if – he, if he had the awareness to get – to go down at like 9.75, I mean, the, the rule like, changed holy. in the middle of his career. No, 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 not, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. I'm talking about seeing the first down marker yeah, and yeah. being like, nope, we can't quite get that. Yeah. If it was third down, then yes, you have to get it. But on first down, you got two more chances where you've been owning the line of scrimmage yeah. and the last few like – you know, short dive runs. I mean, Michigan just mauled them. Yeah, it's there, well, and that's, that's something, and that's ball game. That's something we talked about in the preview, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they have two defensive tackles, and then they rotate their third guy in. But the third guy is not much of a run defender. He's like Mister Explosion up the middle. Hall, yeah. yeah, yeah, who was very good, by the way. Well, and so he he isn't really going to be in there on this final fourth quarter drive. And when Michigan runs a dive on that, it's like the dive against Maryland, yeah, where it's just like you guys are done. Well, those guys are, they, yeah, they wore those guys all game, and, and both of them had great games. And that's without Zinner, yeah, right. That's that's Carson Barnhart giving someone the business with his old friends, of course. <laughs> I mean, Nugent, I thought played mostly well. I, you know, they got off the blocks on him a I, little bit, but I thought the, the Ohio State defensive tackles came out to play, yeah. and they had, and they were just as much as anyone else. I mean, they, I think Zinter was having a bad game. To be honest, well, especially oh, pass yeah. pro. That's... It was, it was <laughs> I mean, he had the one pass pro issue. The other pass pro issues were more like, we put A.J. Barner on JTT. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, no, there were two instances of that. One was JTT, JTT and, and one, one was Sawyer. Sawyer. And, yeah. and he got off, he got away with a hold Yeah, on the Sawyer one. Well, I mean, they just didn't call holdings. Yeah, they, they weren't yeah, calling hold. They, they didn't call it both ways. Except yeah. on Mason Graham, for some reason. <laughs> oh, that one was such a... Four second. But, um... No, but I want to go back to Zinner. When I was rewatching this morning, like I saw a few running plays where like the defensive tackle just shifts the side. They they this double, they were able to two gap on him. But I think that that in the end, those guys were playing out of their minds. They were 
playing with I mean, they were playing the way you have to play in this game. But because they couldn't get shifted out, Michigan can put Goody out there. They can put Benny out there. Well, we'll talk about that but, yeah, later. But, like, Ohio State had these two guys. And we saw this. Michigan had versions of this, too, when Ryan Van Bergen and Mike Martin were just playing out of their minds. But, like, when it comes to finishing a game and Michigan's on an eight-minute drive and you don't have nobody that you can put in there. Like, they have all these five stars, but, like, Hero Cano is not available because they're not going to put him in in this situation. That's who had to make these stops. And I think, like I said before, Ohio State got everything they could possibly get out of their guys. And all you can ask out of those two players, they got. And in the end, they did not have the dudes to mash up with Michigan. Ohio State went on their long drive and Michigan went on their big heavy drive i still that third and six play call you got to pass because ohio state's coming they have no safeties there yeah. for you and you just have one-on-one there and you have jj mccarthy you hit you get a touchdown it's over you get a first think, down it's over i think they might have been spooked by the fact that when they ran the rollout um that ended up being the throwback yeah that loveland was supposed to run in the flat and he just got blown up yeah so he he effectively blocks the guy on the edge but there's the, your, your primary option is no longer available. I mean, to me, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm like pulling out my best two point play at that point and hoping I can get six off of it. Or I don't know. Yeah. It just, I mean, especially because this version of McCarthy was very much on. Like we could we could do the incompletion game because mm-hmm. he had four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in two, I mean, they probably weren't, but I had them written down as throwaways. The one on the go route that. Burke was over the top, yeah. the one in the corner that was just way out of bounds. The first pass of the game that was at that TJ's was low. feet, yeah. That, yeah. that wasn't a good throw. And then, and the last one was almost as good as the one to CJ because he's being flushed out of the pocket, has to like sidearm. It's for a first down, but, you know, Will Roman Wilson's he just, just kind of laying out He goes down bounds, a second early. It's, just a little bit. But that yeah. was, I mean, that's a throw in a spot where could have been a little higher. But given the pressure and he's moving, mm. the fact that he even puts it within a catching radius is still a great throw. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I'm willing to put the game on him, right? Yeah. Yep. So. Well, and, and he did, you know, we, you talk about how he didn't have any design runs, but he had three scrambles. And he, he made the right decision on all of them. I mean, the, so the first scramble is he, it's third and what, four or five, six, something like that. Breaks the pocket, rolls to the right. Edwards kind of leaks out. And you're like, can he flip it up and over to him? Is that the play? The tight end's covered. And he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Doesn't do what Kyle McCord does and right. force a pass. And tries to just use his legs. He comes up short, but he doesn't turn it over. Doesn't try to force a pass. And that's like a smart decision, even though in that situation you have to punt because the other alternative is a turnover. And then the second one is the one where, you know, he runs for about, what, seven or eight, and the ball is on the wrong side of his body, and so he goes out a yard short, but it's a scramble that turns it into a convertible fourth down. Right. And then the last one is just JJ because he breaks the pocket to the right side runs down the sideline, you're like, oh, he's got the first down. He's like, yeah, and more, and <laughs> yeah. cuts it back in and yeah. picks up another 8 to 10 you, yards. You see, he gets up, and he looks behind him, and it's like one of their slow tackles, and he's like, oh, I should have kept running. <laughs> well, they had a guy there's that, a safety. that had Yeah, the there's angle. a safety, but he was like thinking about overrunning, trying to outrun the safety, and then he decided, no, that's just going to get me blown up by this guy in my heels. And then he looks back and goes, oh, it was that guy. So he ends up with about four carries for 17 yards. Obviously, that includes the sack. Right. And so you, but that's still three carries for over 20, 25, whatever yards. Yeah. I mean, that's effective. 
It is effective. It does make you. Especially on called pass plays. Right. So he turns an Ohio State win on defense in the pass game into a loss by on two of the plays by creating first downs or like, you know, setting up a fourth and one. Yeah, and he had two more of those as we've discussed, the Cornelius Johnson catch on the sideline and yeah. then the, the dangerous one, but you know, results based charting. So four different dropbacks for him, he creates wins with his legs that otherwise wouldn't have and this is why I never want Michigan's quarterback to be Drew Aller ever again. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone wants no, but just like the Drew Aller type anymore. But anyway. like the, the thing with McCord is McCord didn't do anything with his legs in this game at well, all. Well, I thought he moved okay in the pocket and set up a couple of really nice throws. I mean, but that's he, that's for the well, next. He, all right, yeah, yeah. He did, but he also had instances where Michigan was getting to him and he would just throw a duck. Yep, and that's not something that we've seen JJ McCarthy do except like in one game. So <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about CJ. Because yeah. this is not just a this game, this is an all year. Because, you know, you get, he's back for his, what, fifth year? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Roman Wilson is, for the first half of the year, is, you know, not Marvin Harrison, but not too far off in terms of yards and catches and targets and big plays and all that kind of stuff. And CJ has his plays, but is a bit of an afterthought. And it feels a little bit more like the Trente situation. And not that he lost his job, but that, He's be you know he's not the guy and sticks around, plays his butt off and makes two or three of the most important catches of the year because you're talking about the one down the sideline and then the two other catches that he has one McCarthy just throws an absolute missile at him from short range mm-hmm. and he goes above his head to catch and, and that was on the final drive too yeah, yeah. and that I mean that is probably a harder catch than the sideline one it's harder because of the angle of the ball you have to use your hands you're basically momentum is not on your side because you have to pull it from behind your head that's just that's i mean i've caught enough footballs in my life that that's one of the ones i would choose the least to catch because it's just really hard in a big situation for i can't remember if it was a first down or if they got yeah and then the one where he's gets taken off his feet I mean, I don't fault J.J. for that because just giving a guy a chance on that play is a great throw. And then C.J. just is like, all right, fine. You want a good throw? I'll give you a better catch. And makes it. And, and for all year, I get to the receiver's chart. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing that is not routine. Because <laughs> J.J. just right, dropping in people's buckets. And so they don't have yeah. the opportunity to like be like, hey. And oh. C.J. is going to have some ones and twos in this game. And mm-hmm. I don't know where... His prospects are NFL. I'm sure someone gives him a shot in some capacity. But, you know, Blake said in his post game or in, you know, if he's on the field or in, in the press conference, you know, he, he wants to leave a legacy and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't think he has to worry about that. But Cornelius Johnson showed out huge last year with those two big plays mm-hmm. and maybe made two bigger catches this year that were our sort of in the margins in terms of they're not the flashy, I'm scoring a touchdown in Columbus, but you're making a play and preserving a win in the biggest game in the stadium. Yeah, and the other guy who I think really impressed was Colson Loveland. Absolutely. He's he's coming across the middle on some of these catches. They're a little bit low. They're zinged. And there's just no question at all that he's going to catch the ball. There's no bobble. There's, There's no issue with it. And Clack kept saying this on the broadcast about how fluid he is, and I think that's exactly right. 
Like, well, he was certainly fluid when Eichenberg tried to tackle him because he shook him <laughs> yeah. and turned up field. And you're like, there's not a lot of tight ends. That... Does he have the most sure hands that you can ever? I, I, I don't the guy, Yvonne. Jason Vaughn was yeah. the, is the one I was thinking of, but like. You know, especially out of the tight ends that we've ever Out of had. the tight ends? I mean, Benny Jopper was pretty good that one but, year we had. But had, yeah. but had good. Yeah, but too. But, yeah. It's like, but what that's what we're talking about. They, the, they go to him on the fourth and one, and it's just like, okay, he's got it. Yeah, it's it's quite a safety blanket to have. I'm, uh, I mean, I think in the, the preseason I, I overestimated everybody's catches because I was like, oh, we're going to well, play four-quarter games. <laughs> well, but also we're going to throw the ball all over the field more. I mean, this was more or less going to be more of a J.J. year. Right. So and it, it was at times, but not. But Loveland did, doesn't have, like, the raw stats that, you know, I think people were Brock Bowers has. Super, yeah, but I think he had the, the overall year yeah. that – we were projecting him as basically a superstar tight end. If and you if you take the stats down to like 1980s, which is the kind of game that we play, yeah, like this is a superstar tight end. This is this is what you get out of it. It's like you know, five catches or four catches for 75 yards is like 1980s but, for great tight end. But part of it is when you're gaming the game planning for Michigan, you especially after the Ohio State game last year, you have to circle him and you have to be like, we have to have a defense that accounts and does something to negate him. And that doesn't mean it'll work, but part of your effectiveness is what you're doing to the opposition before the game even starts. And it's like, it's exactly your point, what you've been saying all year, Seth, about Donovan Edwards, Mm -hmm. is Loveland can be effective without all those stats because you you can't just be like, all right, well, you know, Eichenberg will chase him around the field because no, he won't. Yeah. Right, and so... We talked about how Burke was over the top of a couple of double moves from Wilson. Like Wilson's pretty quiet in this game. CJ is making spectacular kind of. catches off schedule. Um, and Ohio State's pass defense is like way off the charts as the best in the country in opponent-adjusted EPA. But what's the one spot where Michigan can attack and make it look easy? Tight ends. Yep. Because mm-hmm. their linebackers are giving up 75% completion rates over the course of the this, this season. And... You have to have the kind of quarterback where you're comfortable throwing over the middle. Michigan has that, has guy. that guy. And so Loveland and Barner were key components of yeah. Michigan's effective pass game. Do you think they kind of – because they kept on doing this thing with Bredesen where they line him up in the slot and then move him in, and they never did anything off of it. They never really had a – I mean, honestly, that's the one thing I wanted them to do on the third down. Mm-hmm. on the final series, is I wanted them to bring Bredesen across the formation for a split zone block and then throw it to him. Yeah. Because who would see that coming? Because <laughs> <laughs> all, all, yeah, and then all Maybe not yeah. even the Michigan coaches. <laughs> I don't know if Bredesen... Maybe Jed Fish. <laughs> I don't know if Bredesen dropped it in practice or something like that. that he's made had them, a couple you know, of catches. He's, I know, but we don't, we don't have a, a, anything yeah, like I a... Not really idea. this year. Yeah. No, he hasn't had a target this they year. They threw him downfield a couple times last year, but... But you know they they you know that's the one thing. I yeah, think. we haven't done this all. But time. they but they were using it a lot as their setup. Where he just you know he sets up in the slot and then he moves in and it's not surprising anybody. Got to save something for the Rose Bowl, man. I, or yeah, setting up for Georgia. This is too easy. Yeah, the one thing there is like you could leave him in the slot and throw a tunnel screen or something, and you have a really effective blocker out there. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. There's only so many things you can put in a game plan. All right, do we have any final thoughts on the offense? The, I thought the I don't know the offensive line was having trouble with the DTs and pass protection, and we have not seen that at all this season. I know Zinter's not going to even matter now. I mean, but these were the best 
DT's Michigan's face. Well, particularly Hall, and he's the yeah. one who mm-hmm. got the sack. But I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, and like the, the rest of the pass protection was often just tight ends being matched up against their defensive ends, and you know, Barner was good. Like he was getting bowled back a little bit in the pocket, but they weren't coming around the edge because yeah. that's not who they are. Yeah. So, like he, uh, like everybody's like, oh no, but looks like the take from after Penn State where it's not going to be a disaster was actually the right take, and then Maryland had to go and screw it all up. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Yep. Uh, I had a couple notes on Edwards. Um, I saw a miscut back lane for him. He there was an insert ISO where he didn't run it again, and I was like, Yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah, because like I like if you pressed you press that front side with the insert ISO, and then you put your foot in the ground and explode back there. You're going to get a very productive play, and he just he didn't do it last week, and he didn't do it this week, and I'm yeah. just like. Come on. Yeah. I, and I hate that, like, you know, I hate having Edwards run those and me thinking, I wish Mullings got that handoff. Well. But, like, that's kind of where I'm at there. He also had a couple of runs that were very nice in terms of, like, creating extra yards after contact. He which is something on that a couple of there, like and there Mullings were, lead outs. Right. And he'd gotten four to six yards a couple of times when it felt like he was going to get two and you know, that was a game where Michigan needed to be efficient and ahead of the chains. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Seth. He, he missed, you know, at least one cutback or whatever. But, like, I also want to give him credit for getting Well, he, he missed one that I think is going to be, like, a minus two in Brian's thing. There's a couple of them where it's like, okay, most running backs are probably not going to see it. But if you're reading your blocks right, there's... That's just never going to be who he is, right? It's yeah, not who he is, yeah. Quorum, but you can't ask that of Edwards. There's yeah. The ones where it's like, okay, follow the play design. Right. Or I get but, I mean, he's got to learn to read blocks. He's just got to be able to say, like, okay, that's going that way. I need to go to this side of it. And he's just not done that. Yeah, and I just feel like this is where we're – I mean, that's kind of why I've been saying – well, you've said use him as a decoy. My yeah. thing has been throw him the ball. My and, thing has been, like, Percy Harvin him, right? Like, yeah. throw him some stuff, end arounds, jet sweeps, just get him involved – like, have him be a threat to hit the perimeter on every single play and then see what it opens and up. And they've done it from time to time. Ish, but they're using, like, Morgan as And when they do that, it's worked. Like, they run the like the fake one way, and then they pitch it to him coming back the other way, and he gets six, seven, eight yards. And, yeah. you know, they run the quick little, like, hook route or angle routes, and he gets eight, ten yards. And you're just like, it feels like those things are there. Like, you don't have to be overly creative in terms of, all right, we got to send all of our receivers and run behind a diamond to get him the ball. No, no just, but just, they're, they're too honest. They're, they're just, like, you have some subterfuge. Know. Have some, like, you know, be a dick a little bit we, to the, uh, we the had defense. A, we had a halfback pass in this game. It's true. All it's, right. That, even that's honest. What was your last note? No, that was, that was at the uh, read the cup. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach. And it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. 
If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoalblog today. Is your online store sluggish, outdated, underperforming? You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Trolled Michigan hockey by giving themselves a chance to blow a lead late and then emphatically not doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
that's that one hurts a little bit, Dave. Well, uh. I watched the St. Cloud State game last night, and uh. I hurt too, Brian. <sighs> three nothing after they hadn't given up a goal all weekend, and they gave up three, and then lost in a shootout that didn't even matter for the cherry on top. I like the I like the shootouts that don't even matter because you can lose them and it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, oh my God, I was already really tired. Seth, give me your hottest take. Ryan Day is an Amgo blog reader. <laughs> okay. Because he's just like us. Wait, no, no. We go for it on fourth down. We've been saying that all the time. Yeah, but he's, he's what do like, you mean he's, he's just like us? Okay, no, no, no. not not okay, the writers, he, not the he, writers. He dances he's, like us. He dances like us. <laughs> maybe, maybe like you Did guys. Did you see him dancing? Yeah, maybe that like is you how Amgo blog readers dance when they get around football players. That's what we look like. That's what we yeah. look like when we try to pretend that we are football coaches. Do you know what we are not? Football coaches. Okay, but we Do you know why? Because Ooh. we're because we whine about referees and we Who like and we litigate when we have problems. And that's this is how we handle things. Because we are like Ryan Day, he's like one of us. <laughs> he should have just stayed on the message boards okay. and not become a football coach because he would be great. At writing Yungo Blog Diaries, but instead he is coaching a football team where you actually have to have some, you know, toughness and, you know, learn how learn how to, like, you know, motivate people instead of jumping around and trying to mosh pit like you're a third grader who just saw one for the first time. Brian, if you want to give me exactly. Ryan Day's salary, that's okay. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Jason, give me your hottest take. Next year's quarterback room, QB1, Alex Orgy. QB1A Donovan Edwards! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what about that combo? I mean, seriously, you got one guy who can rush, you know, through anything, and you got another guy who, who never doesn't complete a pass. So there you go. We, we could run Reason the triple for option. Donovan Edwards to stay. I love the Alex Orgy calls. I love that he just appeared out of nowhere. Like <laughs> Is he still on the team? We weren't sure he said, if he'd he like. said Orgy. Three times and he just <laughs> It was magic. Like you had Orgy on the field, Lauren Bobert was probably in the stands feeling up or date. It was magic. <laughs> Randy, give me your Ryan, hottest take. I, Ryan but, wait, no, go ahead, Jake. Just finish, go ahead. Jake. Finish, finish, finish your stuff, Jake. I said Ryan Day should hire a private investigator to find out what happened to his offensive line on that last play. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. My first one was going to be, but I'm not using it. This win was so good, it makes me forget about how bad basketball and hockey is. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. The other one, the, uh, because you guys touched on all of it, the, the other one <clears throat> speaks to Seth's, which is <clears throat> Ryan Day should quit coaching and with his brother, open up a P.I. firm slash Chinese restaurant called P.I. Chang. <laughs> I mean, like Seth said, he's not a restaurateur, but he's more of a restaurateur than he is a coach. So you might as well try your hand at that. He would make a good rock last, tour. Yeah. My, my last one is Carson Barnhart is our best guard. <laughs> <laughs> No, that this is, this is for hot takes. That's, that's Trevor Keegan erasure right, right there. Well, that's but that's that's, that's that's a good hot take. Though. Yeah, it's a good hot take. <laughs> that's a good hot take. Good hot take. Uh, all right, uh, I gotta <laughs> settle in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Connor Stallions is actually worth three touchdowns a game. So we beat you by three touchdowns again, Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, they were Fair. signing like like just like always, and Michigan uh, had to like use their wristbands. But uh, Ohio State got to use signs. They had a lot of check with me's. Yeah, if, if Stallions is on the sideline, this is another three-touchdown blowout. So congratulations, Ryan Day. You got us good. He, he, they, <laughs> Michigan would have known You're that Ohio right. State was running, was going full out against the run <laughs> on that third and six. They would have passed yeah. it, and then they would have scored a touchdown on that play because there would have been nobody, block, nobody protecting. Yeah. And then Ohio State would have gotten the ball back and turned it over immediately, oh, yeah. and Michigan scores again. Oh, there you go. There you go. All right. Serious. Go ahead. Serious question. Serious question before we do this. I mean, didn't this game, like, I've never not known what was going to happen in a game more than what than what happened in this game. Like, it got down to the end, and I'm like, I mean, it, it could go either way. But it did feel like Michigan was going to win this game in the same way that all of those games, all of those games in the – in the last 10, 12 years that it looked like who's going to win this game. You just knew it was going to be Ohio state. You just knew it was going to be Michigan. And that to me is significant. Yeah. And the, the swings in this game were crazy, of course, because like they have that Ohio state drive where they just run it down Michigan's throat mm-hmm. eight straight times. And they're like, Oh, here we go. Their next drive. They're like, All right, we're going to run it one yard, three yeah. and out, three and out. Yeah. And Michigan just hasn't been, really putting together consistent drives all, all game. They get the ball back with eight minutes left, and they just grind out almost all the rest of the clock. And, you know, if, uh, emotionally it went from like, oh, no, we're oh, doomed to like, it was oh, a, we got it. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. The yeah. whole game was like, I'm not even sure how to feel after any drive. <laughs> well, we had the one Ohio State fan near us who kept reminding everybody that if there wasn't an interception at the beginning, that Ohio State's probably winning this game right now. He's well, probably right, but <laughs> yeah. and he probably should have tried to get C.J. Stroud back for another year. Yeah, good luck with that one. All right, if you can't get enough Sklars, hit up their website. They are constantly touring. Also, hit up the Nosebleeds, which is their reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. Thank you guys so much. It's been an awesome year. Thanks, guys. Love you. Thank you, fellas. See you guys. Thank you, guys. Great year. Defensively, Ryan Day is almost three-quarters of the way to 100 points. 74. 74 is, like, almost there. So he should get it uh, in the first quarter, maybe the second quarter of 2025, if he's still employed by Ohio State University. The defense uh, pretty much did exactly as we expected. They sat back, light boxes, two deep safeties. After the game, Marvin Harrison said he had never been doubled so much in his life. And that was because no one else figured out that you needed to do this. No one else can get away with it. I've been talking all year about this. All year I've been saying Michigan plays with a light box so they can have an extra safety. They're saving for Marvin Harrison. That's what they were doing. Nobody else in the country is getting away with playing a light box against Ohio State and holding Trayvon Henderson to three yards of carry. Yeah, and that's why they're able to run. And even when on their their big running drive, Yeah, because Michigan, the way that they defend that is they're going to well, bring your guys across. There's a couple of different factors at the start of that drive. Yeah. One is that they start running stretch because they hadn't been running stretch. And mm-hmm. all year we're like, the problem with this light box is the front side double on stretch. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so they get a couple of nice chunks on that. And then they they lock Cam Good on the field. Yeah, and Cam Good has been a good player for most of this year, but I did not want to see him play on a passing uh, on a running down in this game. Yeah, the and it, the way he plays would be fine against Maryland if it's Roman Hemby. 
It's just the the, yeah. the, the when Ohio State backs put their foot in the ground and they're going forward and you're coming at them from the side, those inches matter. If it's Mason Graham, he's getting that inch. If it's Chris Jenkins, he's getting that inch. Well, he's it's just like he was getting turned out, and then the rest of the run defense would be solid, and then there would just be that one lane, and Henderson is so fast that mm-hmm. he's turning that three yards into five sometimes or six or eight. That was kind of the consistent thing that I – like before this game, I was like, you know, Henderson is – is not that great unless you get him the crease and then he can turn 10 yards into 50 yards. In this game, he was consistently making the most of even the smallest creases that Ohio State was getting just because he has the size and speed that he's just like, flunk, and then he's two yards further than he should yeah. be. Well, Ohio State was doing something smart, which was on those doubles, they were releasing the guard and then single blocking, but you're... Trusting Henderson and well, it was also—they're not running yeah. duo; they're running inside. Zone. Yeah, they're so, running inside zone. But so like inside zone, the, the doubles are momentary. Yeah, you get a little chip and then you move on. They were—they were like they were. They were I, I've charted this all season. They were releasing these guys way faster than any other. Yeah, and then Graham gets the the holding call because they're looking for that. I I just they, don't even know what they were looking for. It was. Um, was it a holding? I mean, no, it wasn't. It actually, the, I think it, it was felt phantom. No, I, I, the. Got, he, he got his hand in the in uh, in Mason Graham's shoulder pad, and then he tries to wrench it out, and then that turns Graham, and then Graham goes down, and, and it looks like a, but it's, yeah, weeds. yeah, but the, um, they were looking. I think they were looking for because they because Ohio State. That's what they're trying to do is get that guy released. The way Michigan wants to defend that is get that guy to stay at the line of scrimmage, and this is well, what I talked about in next Sharpies I mean, last week. Historically, this year they've wanted to just use their defensive tackles and have them win one-on-one. Yeah. And to Ohio State's credit, they were able to somewhat neutralize the defensive tackles from time to time. Again, we are talking about three yards of carry. Yeah. I, I think that Michigan, if you look at the rushing numbers, I mean, Tran hurt Michigan worse. Well, that was because his big run was an obvious hold they did not call. Yeah. So <laughs> Josh Wallace, like I can't, I could not believe they didn't call that because Josh Wallace is turning his back to Tran. I mean, I'm like, in what world is that a natural thing for a defender to do? And they just, I mean, I was hopping mad about that no call. I mean, they got, Michigan got away with a pretty obvious hold earlier when Sawyer got around Barner. So I guess it was just kind of like universally, we're not going to call holding in this game. But that one was egregious. And that was on the eight play drive. Yeah. The, the not the eight play drive, but the, the run eight, drive. The eight consecutive mm-hmm. runs. And yeah. if they call that holding, well, then they're in a long yarded situation. And then, yeah, things are a little bit different. Well, and the other thing that happened is that drive started with a sack, and then Will Johnson's overplay on the yeah. Marvin Harrison. So I mean, but the other thing, I mean, but you take that twelve those twelve yards off because I assume that was the twelve yard run because yes. that's as long. Then he's still five for twenty five, which is still a lot better than Henderson. Yeah, I mean, and he wasn't. I mean, that's the thing about Tram, right? Is he's he's not going to bust a home run, but he's going to consistently give you the lurching yards and if he hit if you give him any sort of space yeah but i thought that henderson did that about as well as yeah. Tranum would i i think i'm going to next sharpies this drive just because it the the little things that i want to talk about are probably way beyond what i can say on a podcast yeah, the, i would say so the yeah. thing that i found interesting is like they didn't really make henderson a lot a, a big part of the throw game 
is he, he ended up with three catches for 19 yards. But if you remember in the 21 game, like they threw to him a number of times and he was really dangerous in space. And Well, they had the check down to him. They had early. a check down, yeah. but that's not a design. That's a check down. Well, also, they kept running him on wheel routes. On the, on the Harrison touchdown when he's coming across the field, Mike Barrett is gone because Mike Barrett is covering a wheel route from yeah. shit. God damn it. Anderson. On the Marvin Harrison touchdown, Mike Barrett is not in the area because he has to cover a Henderson wheel route. Yeah. And they kept running those wheel routes, and to Michigan's credit, they were getting over the top of it. Barrett did a terrific job. So instead of going to Henderson, that they were using the space they that opened that up. Yeah. Michigan that was, also switched up their coverages a little bit. They went to switch coverages, and they didn't get a switch from Wallace on that one. So I think that there was supposed to be a flip right there. Yeah. Because the first time, McBurrows follows the guy across, and, that, and he gets caught in traffic, and you know that, and they get the touchdown out of that. So then the second time, Michigan actually get, they get a switch on the front yeah. side. So I know that they're running banjo, but they don't switch. Wallace doesn't switch onto it. So I think it was on him, not yeah, Colson. I do. That, I agree with that. But that was also the drive. That, that particular touchdown drive that was their last score right like that's what made it 24 27 24 the harrison touchdown that was the first drive without will johnson too so the defense obviously is going to change then because there were some times when they put will johnson on marvin harrison and when he's off the field i mean if you go into this game your defensive game without will johnson the defensive game plan is i don't even know well they it was like all right no more man coverage yeah <laughs> I mean, but so then and that was yeah. kind of the thing where i was like i don't understand once you see two's not on the field like, you run whatever you want to run because you know you're getting some sort of zone and you put Marvin Harrison in a spot like that. Well, so the thing is, is, like, McCord can get confused because you throw some weird zones at him. He's not a veteran quarterback. Yeah. He's had some struggles earlier in the year. Now, the one thing that he did do in this game that he did not do in any previous game is actually make some plays while pressured. So yeah. there's that throw down to Harrison where he's getting lit up by Mason Graham after being flushed yeah. in the pocket and probably had more yards on that than any of his previous completions under pressure combined and he had a couple more instances but also when Michigan was able to make him reset his feet or get into his face he would just throw ducks like there's a throw behind Henderson that's just a, a nothing throw a cross, yeah. yeah and then like the first incompletion was a catchable ball but he got a little bit of heat and it was a little wide and he airmails one past uh, uh Marvin I mean he threw yeah, well, there's one down the side. I mean, he threw a lot of balls that yeah. were not going to and be he caught. And he threw some absolute dimes. He threw the back shoulder at, at Stover. He threw the... That and that one was under a lot of pressure. I don't know how yeah. Benny knocked that one down. So the, the slot corner from... Or slot fade or whatever from... from yeah, I actually wrote him. down a list of his big throws. So there's the one-handed uh, back shoulder that he throws on the 34, uh, third and four. Right, that that's the hot. one where he moved up in the pocket. Yeah. Um, the, the play action to Stover get, that gets over Rolder. That, uh, that's like Benny is supposed to not. Benny, Benny has him I in mean, the backfield, and that's just a great throw. But why, why is Rolder? Why is Jimmy Rolder <laughs> well, that's, the that's, that's, that's the other question. Are we doing that now or later? Let's, do, that's, let's do that now. So okay. he's, he's, on the, he's on the field for two plays. And he gets torched, torched on both of them. And I, I'm sure Jimmy Rolder is going to be a good player at the University of Michigan. But you cannot play a guy who has not played all year unless you have no other options. So he was hurt for – so he was hurt or at least on the injured list, even if he wasn't hurt. I don't know. He's on the list, didn't dress for several weeks in the middle of the season. It seemed like because they played him last year, they wanted to get a redshirt on him. Sounds like that's the plan. But plays last week for – I don't know how many plays. Not a lot. We- Plays a handful of snaps. Two plays in, like, this was, like, 
the slam the door drive. They get the second touchdown. They're up 14-3. to You're yeah. starting to feel, okay, this is kind of going the way we want it to go. One more stop and a drive, and you're in really good shape because you're getting the ball coming out at halftime. And Jimmy Rolder's on the field for two plays. Gets He actually is in the right spot on the first he play. He just gets run over. Yeah, and then the second one, he's just a half second to a second late on recognizing well, Stover. And it's the second and one. It's like a shot down, right? Yeah. It's it that's like a, a situation where turning second and one into third and one is not hugely valuable. But this is the the conversation we've been having all year and it's, you know, bounced around from guys like Cam Good to Keon Sab to Quentin Johnson to Jimmy Rolder to whomever, Keyshawn Harris. I mean, Michigan has been rotating these guys in and we kept saying, Well, now that we're at you know, the conference schedule. <laughs> now that we're at Michigan State. Now that we're at Penn State. And they're just rotating. Well, the, the rotations have slimmed, but there's still a lot there that include okay. guys. It's, it's, you're incorrect because they didn't put Jaden Hood in these situations earlier in the season. And that was the spot we're talking about. Because their third linebacker is Ernest uh, Hausman, who is fine. Okay, yes. you can believe Hausman. No, no, there. no, I'm not talking about Hausman. Right. Hausman's in the rotation yeah. of guys. And the guy they take off the field for that play is Mike Barrett, who almost got an interception on a, on a similar and, play early in the game. Barrett right, was incredible and covers the whole game. He and, was incredible pretty much everything he did. Yeah, and so there's just, there's just really, it's really hard to understand why they did that. I mean, I understand, like, you want to get some guys some live fire snaps, but not when you haven't played this guy all year and it's the Ohio State game. And you're, it, th- this is a, this is a we can maybe come close to ending the game yeah. early drive. Well, and like the difference between putting Rolder in and putting in Quentin Johnson, who made one of the plays of the game, is that Quentin Johnson's been on the field for 250 snaps. And he's actually been playing progressively better and better and better, and, and he's, he's earned he, a lot of that playing time. Like the thing about all the rotation is like, yeah, we rotate the defensive ends because they're all as easy yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about that. The I'm only talking... guys that like really stand out is like, oh, why are these guys playing in this situation? Are good and rolder because like good's yeah, been now. a solid player, yeah. but he's so undersized. You can't play him on rundowns against Ohio State. Yep, and it's just frustrating because there you already have enough depth right. that you can rotate through your four very good defensive tackles and not expose yourself to the eight play yeah. touchdown. And drive. like what you said, the thing about Quentin Johnson and Cam Good is they've rotated them in all year. They've played downs. If you don't want them in a specific situation or a drive, fine. Get that completely on board. But Jimmy Rolder hasn't played all year and now he comes in for two plays. And if the plan's to redshirt him, you get four games. So this is what his third game that he's played mm-hmm. in or something. Yeah. I just I don't I don't I mean cuz the truth is is that let's say Zach Zinner doesn't get hurt but Mike Barrett does. I mean, he got the AC hurt. So now Jimmy Rolder's your third linebacker. So he's going to have to play in a big game at I, some point. I, I think that I, we're, we're overplaying this point. The point is that, like, in that situation, all of a sudden it's Jimmy Rolder and you get hit by a big one. And we're like, okay, we screwed that one up. I think that it's a – the program believes in this. This is what they're going to do. I don't think we're going to change it by talking about it. Well, well anymore, I, so. clearly you're right about that. But, but like, this is just we can still complain do. about it. It's something they, they do and we they, know but it. they didn't put on – Put in Keyshawn Harris in this game, right? Well, he's injured. Isn't he hurt? Well, but they didn't put up, yeah. put in DJ Waller, yeah, or or, or, or Jair Waller, Hill, or Jair, yeah, Hill. yeah. Like these guys were correctly benched, right? And <laughs> they're I mean, out of the rotation. I, I, I think it says something that yeah, they put Jimmy Rolder in for two plays and then he didn't play again. Yeah. So that was 
a self-inflicted wound that I think that Michigan didn't have to do. Now we can okay. go back to McCord. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a 15-minute discussion. There's a, it was worthwhile. There's the desperation duck that he throws out of the end zone, which everyone thinks is going to be incomplete until I mean, that's Fleming not, picks that thing off the ground. Like, amazing that's, catch. That's, that's, actually that's a not a good throw. That no, so? no that it's a terrible throw. Catch. It is an insane catch. Fleming was – and we were. that's a guy. That, another guy that we were like in the preview. We were like, eh. And well, he's he's not as athletic as he needs to be to be a star receiver, right? And he hasn't made a ton of plays at Ohio State, but yeah, that's that's but a yeah, he, catch. he he's and made that's a, great a catch. huge swing in the game too because that's third and seven from the Ohio State five, and Michigan, if that's not complete, is getting a punt out of the end zone from Jesse Mirko, who's terrible in this game. Right, that's, they're going to get the ball at midfield and or plus territory, and then it's. Probably seventeen ten or twenty one ten at halftime. Yeah, yeah, and then they get any points coming. And out then the next, half. and then the very next play is when uh, McCord avoids a sack and chucks it downfield, and Will Johnson is beat by Harrison and has to tackle him to try to stop so, him. Which is, I mean, we've probably said this enough, but that catch was insane. Yes, because yeah. he got his left arm pinned, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll just use my right arm." I would have been saying, "The more you interfere with this guy." better the catch is going to be. But, like, honestly, from Johnson, that's not his fault because it's zone. Hmm. And then I think Moore goes with the post. Mm -hmm. And so he's not in man coverage on him trying to get over the top of the route. He is trying to repair an error and to tackle him at that point given the situation in the game, is a very good play. Well, especially yeah. in college, not the NFL. Yeah. If it's NFL yeah. rules, it's 50-50. Right. But Normally, if you tackle him in that situation, he's not making the catch. Right. <laughs> That's the point. Pin his arm. Yeah, go ahead. Use one hand. <laughs> he can okay. get, they, get, they get a first down out of it. My goodness. Not a big chunk. Yeah. Unfortunately, they miss a field goal at the end of that anyway, but it was still like a, ah, uh, because like, you're still feeling it from Fleming making that incredible I'm catch. I'm kind of okay watching, hit, watching Marvin Harrison right. make amazing catches and have them not turn into points. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. sort of like the best of all worlds. So, so there's... I'm sorry, go ahead. So going into this game, I'm like, oh, we're going to get a lot of pressure. And then watching it live, it didn't feel like we did. But then you go back over the film, and it's they like a lot of pressure. There, yeah. There's just people coming through all the time, and sometimes McCord is just getting rid of the ball. Yeah. We're just like, ah, don't want this anymore. And other times, it, the play is such that he's just able to get it out, like the first Penn State yeah. incident where you get a – a pass rush is humanly fast as you can get a pass rush, but the ball's already out. So, so did this feel a little bit like from a chord, sort of like Wilton Spate, where he plays pretty well, except a couple of few passes when that, he didn't. I think that he got a lot of help from his. The, the only reason he got the yards that he got in this game was because he got a lot of help from his receivers. I mean, Fleming had an incredible catch. Marvin Harrison had an incredible Fleming catch. Fleming had two. That's the next one I was going to bring up. What's the next one? When, when he beat Rod Moore on that um, on that fade. Yeah. I thought that was Stover. On the sideline. On the sideline. No, that was, yeah, that that was, was Fleming. Fleming. Yeah. And that was another – I mean, that was, that was actually a really good throw. That was a big-time throw. Yeah. And then there was the, the slot fade to Harrison was also a big-time so throw. So it's either NFL throws or – Nick Sheridan throws? Well, I mean, he threw the interception a lot faster than Nick Sheridan would have thrown it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that interception, so they're running a uh, – they're trying to do what Maryland's They're doing. running the backside glance slant yeah. RPO yeah. that Michigan looked horrible on <laughs> against Maryland. Yeah. And it's man coverage with a safety over the top, so Johnson knows he can jump it. And bang, makes a play. 
Yeah. Changes the game because at that point, Michigan's offense, you're kind of like three and out, three and out. Yeah. Uh, where are we, and, guys? And and McCord is reading the RPO, not the not the slant. And so he looks over there and he throws it, and he, he wasn't even seeing that Johnson owned that route the whole and way. And Benny got up. Like, Benny got up and almost tipped it, but might have interfered some with the vision. I couldn't yeah. tell. He well, made a nice play. He, the he, thing about McCord right now is that when he starts feeling like the heat, he's not going to do what JJ does and try to break the pocket. He's just, I got to get rid of this. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why he only took the one sack is because he's good. I'm going to air quote this good at getting the ball out, but getting the ball out sometimes is I'm throwing it directly at Michael Barrett. Sometimes it's like, I'm not throwing it actually to my receiver, but the ball's out. I'm saying in this game, if we're determining where the pluses go for Ohio State UFR, I would say most of them went to Harrison and and the other receivers. Well, I mean, like so, and he there were a couple of good throws. Like, but like there, there were probably three or four dos for for McCord in this game, but he offset it with a lot of inaccurate passes and some absolutely heinous bad reads. Yeah, yeah. So more of a Jonas Mouton kind of game. Yeah, <laughs> although poor <his>. Jonas Mouton, <laughs> he's just the standard. I don't feel bad at all this. about it. no Jonas Mouton is exactly who like he's the person why that. Deserves to be the the, the Yanis because we loved him for the plays he made. It was just the the plays he didn't make that yeah. that drove us nuts. Yeah, so it was it was equal. So you mentioned even last week about how you thought that there was going to be some Kyle McCord run game, and I mean they had as many design runs as McCarthy had. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a Ryan Day thing for now, right? Like he just doesn't want to run his quarterback in this game, and he like so maybe CJ Stroud ran it against so, Georgia. So maybe well. So maybe it wasn't a C.J. Stroud thing. It was a Ryan Day thing. And then against Georgia, Stroud's like, "F this, I want to win it, and pulls it down and runs a few times. I mean, yeah. maybe. It's just clear that they don't have a package like that. And if they're going to insert something, it would be something like the Aller package against Michigan, where it's like, okay, we've got a QB draw in here. we got yeah. some other stuff. But it's not like we're going to read it out. It's literally right out of the NFL. Like, the, the the things that he'll do with McCord are, right, are like, the things that NFL teams, like, that you would see the Lions do with Jared Goff. Well, in any, like, in any case, yeah. this just, you're just leaving all this expectation on the on the field. Because I don't want to have to face Trayvon Henderson when i got to dedicate a guy to the quarterback. That sounds like a bad deal. But he's yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, his the RPS wins that Ohio State had, they had the RP, the uh, the draw to Johnson. Oh, my God. Eight. I hated that play, and I loved it. Yeah. That was a great call. I wasn't even yeah. mad when they ran it. I was like, and you could see Stover as he's coming in motion across the side, starts uh-huh. creeping up towards the line. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to run it. So, like, but they, they split out Henderson and bring Xavier Johnson in the backfield. So you're like, what kind of weird perimeter frippery is about to happen now? And then they right. run it up the gut, and I'm like. Yeah. Oh, you got us there that one. Yeah, Josiah Stewart actually almost made the tackle, which oh, would yeah. be a great but, tackle but if he made it. They're, but. they're running a, a pass rush stunt. Yeah. And they just get got right up the middle. Yeah. That was that, probably their best call of the game. Yeah. In design. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was pretty. And then the, um, you know, those, the uh, crossing route touchdowns that they had, I thought they, well, the first they one whipsawed was, Michigan with well, the, the first, first one. First one Michigan uses with Wilson. They, well, it, it was just, the, the way they aligned got. McBurrow's matched in a. Well, no, in it's a just man coverage race. against a crossing route. That just yeah. happens. But the crossing yeah. route was in motion, right? Like it no, wasn't. It was. Uh, it he was, didn't go across the line. I didn't think it was, it was one of those waggles where it's like usually the tight end, but instead yeah. it was Egbuka, right? Yeah. yeah. So 
if it's the tight end, yeah, McBurrows can probably catch up there. But since it's like Buka, not going to happen. Yeah. So that's just a very standard. We caught man coverage in the red zone. Yeah. Kind of play. I don't think there's anything special about it. No. Well, I thought what was special about it was before the snap where they were moving the receivers around to get the matchup that they wanted. But, but it's anyway, McBurrows, yeah. They yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They didn't get a bad. They, yeah. Michigan wasn't in a bad matchup. And they they got caught doing it another time where actually Marvin Harris they switched their receivers around and Marvin Harrison ends up against Wallace and you know that they want to yeah. go downfield. And then right before the snap, you see Rod Moore just kind of shift a few yards over to the left, and it's like, oh, nope, we know what you're doing. Well, they ran the ball yeah. on that play. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the, the, it, is, it is remarkable that Johnson went out, and Marvin Harrison didn't really have much of an impact until the last drive. He had five catches. I mean, he had 118 yards and a touchdown. That's not a bad day. It's probably not, like, one of his best days. But, I mean, he only had – five catches and one of them was erased by a missed field goal probably his best catch yeah so and then the first one he had on the drive uh the slot fade or slot corner whatever he had would end up in a field goal so like in the end he didn't even really hurt michigan from a point standpoint and like the the crossing route touchdown he he got but that's you know, Will Johnson's off the field. Like this, we're in, you're in trouble. It wasn't a Will Johnson off the field. It was a switch. It was a bad but, switch. But anyone's going to score on that because Michigan busts. Yeah, also true. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that was, but that was it. My point was that like I was surprised on both offenses that there wasn't a whole lot of frippery just for this game. Yeah, it really didn't feel like a game where everybody you played up to this game was not going to win, so you could just spend the whole week prepping for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, right? What are we doing all season? Were they both prep- prepping for for Georgia? Or well, probably hmm. not. <laughs> I mean, given everything in the lead up to this game, I can't imagine that all of the spare processing power wasn't put into it. But maybe he was just on the call on the phone know. with Petiti all week. And then on their last drive, I mentioned this in the open. Like they know they have to pass, and McCord is under siege on all of those plays. Yep, and. They get the the hit to Harrison. He's about to get decked. And then on the very next play, I think you see Mason Graham's explosion contribute heavily because he's looping over two gaps. And he's over so fast that the tackle is like, I got to get off Jalen Harrell. And the guard does not have time to figure out what's happening. So Graham is just zoop around and Jackson is not even looking at Harrell because it's all happening so fast, and Harold just goes, bowls him over, because he's not aware of what the threat is, and he gets into McCord, and then Rod Moore picks it off. So, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, it it felt like, well, we're not getting the pressure we need on McCord, and it was McCord defying yeah. the stats that he had put up all season, and actually being fairly productive when put under pressure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and the pressure was there. That, that's the point. Like, especially Mason Graham, he caused the sack on his own. He almost gets a safety. Yeah. I mean, he's in the backfield yeah. with on the handoff, and he just is a half second before he can hit the guy, and he gets out he, to back to the line. He was unblockable. And so, like, you, we go back and say, like, okay, how come Michigan wasn't getting pressure on him? And, like, the answer is those tackles were winning their blocks consistently. They And they had to run most of the, they had most of their effectiveness running the ball. I thought like they, they had some big passes, and I mentioned that some of them were just great catches. It didn't by feel like it was going to be a consistent thing where McCord could drop back consistently and not have the interception or the series of incompletions that was going to end a drive. And they were able to 
do some things on the ground because Michigan plays with the light box because Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of unwise substitutions. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was where most of their production came from. That and Marvin Harrison being Marvin Harrison. So Marvin Harrison goes to the draft. Yeah. Igbuka, is he? He's out the he's door, out the too. door you would, too. You would think so. They've got a couple of five stars coming up. They but Carnell Tate's Tate. played yeah. some this year. And Alex yeah. is pretty high on him. He says, I mean, like, not this year, but he's coming. But, I mean, is he and going then, to be Jackson Smith and Jig? He, he says going he, to be, he thinks he can be Igbuka. It was Alex's take. Igbuka I could take. Yeah, Igbuka is like, okay, we can handle that. Yeah. And then because Johnson will be here next year too, mm-hmm. so you have you have a, a replaceable Egbuka, and then you have Fleming. I mean, it, I mean, Fleming's gone too. He's gone. Yeah, he's he's, he's like a fourth. Uh, he's like a f- he's a senior or a fifth year senior. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 been around a long time. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was like but a super they don't recruit. just have Carnell Tate. They have like a whole raft of yeah. star receivers that they get to pick from. He's a senior. Yeah. So, but he played in twenty, so he has a year. We'll see if he comes back. He's probably draftable. He's not Fleming. Yeah, he's he's not like a superhero. But my my point is Marvin Harris. I think that the running game worked because Marvin Harrison's back there, and then you have to keep a safety back from Marvin Harrison. And Henderson's think, gone. And they're so you would think yeah. probably yeah. So yeah, and they're going to Tranum's out of eligibility. Tranum's out. Mine Williams, Williams will be back. They have Dallin Henderson. Dallin, Dallin Hayden. Dallin Hayden. Hayden. Yeah, and they'll probably get a five star running back. Yeah, but. It just kind of feels like they're not going to have like the superhero skill position talent next year. They might, <laughs> yeah. But they're going to have to import. They're going to have to. But run I mean, they. I, but hits. yeah, there's there is the superhero. There is the guy on like. I mean, they're always going to yeah. have good talent, but they had. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver prospect since ever. Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah, Randy Moss. I mean that that's the thing, and and Jackson Smith and Jigba was that kind of player Calvin too. Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Yeah, yeah they they've had guys who just absolutely changed the game. I mean, we had Aiden Hutchinson. That kind of changed in the game, right? Yeah, Marvin Harrison changed the game like that. And it felt like this wasn't a game where like the superhero star won out. Because Michigan's best player in this game was Mason Graham. Yeah, and JJ McCarthy. And these guys are not at the like Aiden Hutchinson, Marvin yeah. Harrison top level. two pick. Yeah. yeah. Mason Graham's getting there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mason Graham is a TBD because yeah. we'll see when he's actually – I mean, because Will Johnson probably going to be a high pick too. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys that Michigan has that – But Michigan if, played this game most of the second half without Will Johnson and Zach Zinner. Uh, mm-hmm. Zinner got – yeah. He got hurt late in the third and – I think Johnson went out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, Johnson went out after that – a play I wanted to talk about, by the way, was that slant – that uh, McCord throws behind Harrison. Harrison adjusts to it. Will Johnson's coming at where it should go, and that's why he misses the tackle and then kind of like, I think, bowed his leg a little bit on it. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've kind of touched on this, but we got we got to get back to Michael, Pl- Michael Barrett playing out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> like that near interception, which he's going to pick off if Stover doesn't rip his arm away. Uh-huh. And Every other piece of coverage he had in this game was excellent. And I mean, talk about guys who... You remember yeah. two years ago, we were like, ah, this guy probably can't play inside linebacker. Three yeah. years ago, he wasn't playing anything. He was a viper. He was, he, yeah, was the, he was Don Brown's next viper. That was like 
sort of on the depth chart. And he was the he wasn't sort of on the depth chart. He was the, the the next viper, but he was a viper. He was a hybrid space player who, anytime he got blocked, would just get well. Mashed. Also, like when they they played him occasionally at inside linebacker, and it just looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't really and ready to do that. We've, when we've seen guys like Kalel Mullings, who mm-hmm. I think is a, a genius running back somehow. <laughs> Just not be able to do it, and I felt well. That's going to be the same thing with Barrett. He's just not going to be. He's going to be. And then he was like, "Ah, oh, he's pretty good." And then if you look at Pro Football Focus's grading, he might be the best linebacker in America. <laughs> he's an insanely good blitzer. Is he getting drafted? Yes. Yes. Where? Day two. Hmm. He's he can move two three because he can still round? move like a safety. That's like, what they want. It, look, he carried Kate Stover, who's probably a day two pick himself, down the seam so well. That he was going to catch that ball if anyone was going to catch that ball. Hmm. Like, honestly, he's probably Michigan's best linebacker, not named Devin Bush, that I can remember. He's that's where he's grading. He's it's not the, a he, long list. I mean, he's <laughs> the I, I, when all the hype for Junior Colson was coming out, even last year, I was just like, stop calling him our Michigan's best linebacker. Michael Barrett's Michigan's best linebacker. He he like he's grading out as a ninety. That's like. Well, it's not Blake Quorum last year, but but it's not that far away. <laughs> Literally the greatest player yeah. in the history of pro football but, focus. I mean, just as I mentioned in the opener, like he's, he's a legend. And he came here as a quarterback. And yeah, he, he gets here and you're not even really sure. He's sort of a special teams guy. Yeah. Like he throws, I mean, 2019, what, he throws the pass to Dax Hill in yeah, the Army okay, game. Yeah. And he's like, he runs the fake punt against Washington. The throwback to Donovan Edwards in the Maryland game of 21. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of who he was. He was a program he was guy. Like a, he was like a fun special yeah. teams player who had a good story. Who you could put in different roles and do some fun things. He was going to be a Georgia Tech quarterback. And now until until Paul Johnson retires. Yeah, yeah. And, and now he's like the linchpin of this defense? I think you could argue that. I mean, like the development for him – and like he's like he's gone. Like well, nobody really liked the previous linebackers coach, and then mm-hmm. Partridge is here, and then Partridge is gone. Uh, he kind of did it all on his own. Yeah, he's had four. I think now he's up to five different linebackers coaches in his time here. And he 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 looks like a an absolute pro. And God bless Veldosta, Georgia. <laughs> Those who stay. Those who stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're not going to get six-year guys again because of the COVID year and like that. Well, he's not a six-year guy. Yeah, yeah he is. is. Oh, can you name the other one? Same or still? No, he was a nineteen. Uh, I cannot name the other one. He played on kickoff coverage. German Green. Oh yeah. Well, That's Jeepers. Me. That's just dang special. Uh, I think we have to talk about um, Mr. QJ's hit. <laughs> Marcus Raid. <laughs> there was some Shazer in that too. It looked yeah, no, because he was in the right place. <laughs> People who watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the Purdue game, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. People who watch that on TV, by the way, it was better live. Yeah, it was not as good as Saner Stills, but it was right there. It was. I think it was better. It was better, it was better than Saner Stills because of the because it's crucial. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just so. Difficult to time that up. Yeah, yeah. and like, he, and he arrived right at the right second. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I mean the the balls in his hand, and the and how many times at that point have we already been killed by the Ohio State receivers making great catches? And he just separates him from the ball, and it's a clean hit. It is a perfectly timed hit, and the crowd got louder than I've ever heard Michigan Stadium before after that. And you can take credit because you gave him a sign. That's right. <laughs> so, so here's here's the thing: is you know we talk we're talking about Saner still and Barrett, and you know Quentin Johnson 
is not that far off in that same conversation. Oh yeah, they they aren't. He he's not like if they don't have Quentin Johnson, they have replaceable guys or for him. But what he has done over his career, I mean, he was an afterthought for two, three. I mean, he was a nineteen guy, I think, as well. And there were two or three years where you're like, well, I don't know if he's ever going to play. Well, this guy's was, probably transferring out. He was hurt. And also, mm-hmm. like, as a recruit, his main thing was that he was super fast. And he has the kind of injuries that I think kind of sapped his his absolute top end speed. And so, like, who am I as a player if I'm not the fastest guy on the field? And here you go. But, you know, even last year he plays a little and then plays has the kind of bust in the Fiesta Bowl and – like coming into this year, you're like, yeah, we get him back, and you know, I mean, Seth, you know, that I was, was so ready. I mean, but talk about guys I was ready to write off early. He has he, he busted on the Penn State fake t- uh, fake punt, and the, like years ago. Well, he was in coverage, yeah, and he just did it very badly. Yeah, bust. Yeah, and now, you know, he's playing in this game, and he, you know, obviously we talked about his hit, but kind of for the back half of this year, he didn't look out of place. No, I mean they're rotating him in, and everybody's like, "Well, when are they gonna like just go with their guys?" But and then they didn't need to because he was at that level too. Kind of mm-hmm. one of their guys. Yeah, I mean it's like the defensive end thing all of a sudden, where it's like, "Yeah, these guys are interchangeable. Not mm-hmm. one of them's not better than the other." And that's the thing about I know we talk about the culture and like the the vibes and the fun personalities, but like, and we do talk about this, but the thing that just gets overlooked about this staff is the player development from guys that come from I mean Quiddy Pay. Right? Like, he's a two-star no one's ever heard of. And he, he's now, like, a, a good NFL player. Well, and, John Brown always found no, offensive no, no. ends. I, I understand, but I'm just talking about, like, you can go... You know, Ohio State is getting the jewels and polishing them up and sending them to the NFL. And Michigan is finding diamonds, like, under mountains and pulling them out and being like, go have a pro career. And yeah. it just... I mean, Michael Barrett, Quentin Johnson, these guys who've been here a long time, have not only stuck around and now getting to reap some rewards, but are like... You know, you got a shot to play professionally. What do those guys do that nobody who goes to Ohio State ever has to put up with? Class. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's honestly that's what I was thinking too. Yes, and and they rotate. They come off the field. Yeah. Even Mason Graham's only on the field half the time. Yeah. They're I mean, you know, we're talking about Jimmy Rolder and we're upset cuz like they took it a step too far. Yeah. But that's how this program has been operating. That, like, I don't care how big of a star you are, if someone else deserves to be on the field, yeah. they're going to get their time on the field as well. And I think that that's paid off in the like all these all those snaps that Quentin Johnson's in the field, and we're like, just put Rod Moore out there, let him do his thing, and and it paid off because he's he's got the timing down, he's got the sense down, he knows where to be, and when you need him to be there. He shows up now. Maybe Rob Moore makes that play, or maybe you know well, Keon Sab makes that play. Rob Moore gets his Rob Moore gets his if, chance to make his play, and Quentin Johnson. But if was this there was Ohio State, Quentin Johnson would be yeah. at the back of the line, yeah. and Keon Sab would be getting all because Keon Sab had the stars. Hey, that's not fair. They put that Martinez kid on Johnson last year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Marti- Martinez, who's a quarterback out of Grand Rapids. Yeah. I met his coach last week. Did did Page didn't play a ton? Uh, I mean, he was in for plays. Yeah, he didn't seem to be out there that much. Right? Yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen the snap counts yet, but he, uh, I, I mean, sometimes the safety at Michigan is just like you forget he exists because he's just out there defending Marvin Harrison, yeah, whether I mean, Marvin Harrison's was, playing or not. He was out for, I would, I'd guess he was out there for about half the snaps. Yeah. Like, just mm-hmm. nothing happened around him. He was boring. And Wallace was 
playable? Fine. Like yep. I think the bust was on him. Yeah, okay, the yeah, we've talked about that already. Yeah. But let's. He didn't get ruthlessly dunked on all game. He came up and, and held an edge when it was, probably wasn't his edge. Unlike one of the first drives, yeah, and shuts and it down he, after five. The he got held on the Trianum yeah. rush, so I don't put that on him. And of course, they're protecting him mm-hmm. because, but they can get away with it. And so, I, I you know, what he did also. He forced the fumble. I mean, that wins the game if you don't get also well the bounce. I mean, we can debate. The next well, section yeah. about if it's a fumble or not, but he punches the ball out, and if Egbuka isn't sitting there ready to just field it, yeah, I mean that well, that's the Sab, game winner. Sab was there to, to field it, but he starts celebrating because he thinks it's punched out. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll talk about. But that yeah, I mean Wallace doesn't know that he's in trail position, makes a good catch and knocks it out, and that's yeah. I mean he's a he's a hero forever if if it doesn't go there. So yeah, I mean just extraordinarily fortunate for Ohio State that. It went to the one guy, That's, right? Yeah. Who's an Ohio State guy among it. Like kind of reminded me. Do you remember the Diallo Johnson recovery before the Philip Brabs field goal, where they oh, they yeah. fall and like that sets up. There, there's a, there's another one. I think in Brillin Fest, it was um, uh, Tyrese Butler <laughs> picks up a pass that like uh, that Edwards drops. In any case, yeah. But obviously, there are players we plays we got beat on or got got and all that stuff, but you start looking up and down the lineup, and there's a lot of guys that contributed on this defense and made plays and didn't look out of place. And the truth is, is in a game like this, and that's, you know, it's honestly, that's what you like about football is like, it's fun to crush Ohio State by plenty of touchdowns. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but but when you play a one- Are you sure? Should we do it like nine but, more times just to like get a, get a good sample? But when you play a game like this, that's back and forth, that- you don't. I never knew who was going to win the game. I hoped it was going to be Michigan, yeah. but there are. It was a roller coaster game starting from the very, very first couple of drives, and you never really felt sure it was going back and forth. And then after you kick the field goal, you're only up six, and they have Marvin Harrison. You're like, I mean, we could we could lose this game in a really devastating way, and it just kind of seesaws back and forth, and you just get a lot of guys that step up and make a play here or there or on this drive or that drive. And they all get to contribute. It's not like, hey, we, we have one guy that superheroed it out. You have a lot of guys on this defense that all made plays. Yeah, just you can't play the guy you haven't played all year. Well, yeah. that's the only, the only issue. Yeah. Right. Any final takes before we move on? Congratulations, Ohio State. You got the best game you possibly could have gotten out of those guys. All right. We're going to take a break, come back, and whoo, boy, <laughs> this is going to be a spicy one. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. 
John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable community. Michigan has just played Ohio State, so now it's time to compare Ryan Day to James Franklin. How long have you been waiting to talk about this? Uh, approximately two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, come on. You were salivating. Going through the game, Brian, you were like, I can't wait for segment three tomorrow. I mean, there's we, we always start being like, okay, we'll save that for segment three. But like, there was a lot of, we'll, we'll save that for segment three in the podcast. It's like, we got to save this for segment three because everybody gets these decision rights now. Except... Uh-huh. Ryan Day. So you have a list. I do. Okay. Well, first we have to talk about Bill Connolly's tweet at halftime. Okay. It's the team that went for – he put the score up and he goes, the team that went for it on fourth and short, 14, the team that kicked on fourth and short, 10. Yep. And which was a perfect summation of what we're leading into with this. So Michigan goes for it on fourth and one when they run the ball. Right. Yep. That's the right call, right play call. I mean, clearly, yes. This, yeah. this, so this is – the first decision. Yep. Yep. Why don't you – Michigan's like on the Ohio State 30 or something? They're in plus territory. Plus territory, yep. yeah. So it's like not even a question. Uh, yes. And then the second one is after the JJ run where they mark him a yard short. Right. And they go for it on fourth and one. This time they go play action and yeah. throw in the flat, which we have to shout out Craig because he never stops talking about how this should be the play that they run all the time. And I tweeted, they, they must have heard Craig Ross screaming, which is why they, they played this. And then someone responded to it and said, we all heard him screaming. <laughs> so, so, but you again, like that call. These are just, these are just fourth and like fourth and a yard. Like you have to go for it. Right. But it's not even just the decision. It's the call on the decision. Well, I mean, 
that's fine. But like Michigan has always been like this dive team this year that's incredibly good at converting these. So not only is it like, okay, it's fourth and one, it's 2023, we have to go. It's it's fourth and one, you're Michigan. Yep. It's 2023. It's not even a question. You're going. And I'm, well, I'm glad that Sharon Moore was like, yeah, we're, it wasn't even like in his mind that we wouldn't go. And last year, the going for it on fourth and one, fourth and a half yard from your own 34 yes. coming out of halftime is sort of that tone setter. Yeah, it's the, it, and that's like the decision of the game. Yeah. Right, like Michigan goes on that that like huge long drive that ends in the end zone. They go up two scores, and then it's panic mode for Ohio State, and that all goes back to Michigan being the kind of team that on fourth and one is always going to go for it because that's how they're built. Okay, so now we come into the interesting ones: fourth and five on the first drive out of halftime, they kick field goal. Yeah. Or, from fifty, yeah, it's one, like, two. Now, did you want him to go there? It was it was exactly fifty, and it's on the thirty three. It's fourth and five. It's one of those things where it's probably yeah. I didn't. Have, I I felt like the vibes at that point were kick it. Like I I thought that like you know Ohio State's defense had made a couple plays and it's just like okay, but also get some know, points. Did you? Well, yeah, but this isn't get some points because it's a chip shot. This is you know borderline James Turner's long. Yeah, but fourth and five is not an easy decision to make. Well, and that's kind of why we're talking about it. So you were kind of I, to me. It was if like, they would have gone, would you been mad? No, but yeah. I wasn't mad that they kicked it either. It's just one of those where yeah. it's like you know whatever you're doing is probably a coin flip. Okay, now we reach the interesting one: fourth and four at the end of the game. So someone actually put the uh, calculator up on Twitter, and I'll post this in the game column. The correct thing, according to the calculator, is to go for it, and it is. A fairly significant bump. It goes from Ohio State is 11% to win if you go for it to their 13% to win if you kick it. So you're still in a pretty good spot. But it is one of those things where it is clear. But it doesn't really start at 4th and 4. It starts at 3rd and 6. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, to me, in that situation is when you pull out something you haven't run all year. And... I, feel like we, I mentioned this in the previous segment, flip it in the flat to Bredesen, or, like, you could have run J.J. there. Just do something that, like, even if they're on it and you lose six yards, doesn't matter. No. What matters is that if you go up the middle with Quorum, your chances of converting there are minimal. Yeah. And But if you have some sort of, like, okay, J.J.'s going to pull the ball, you just need one guy to make a bad decision, and then it's game over. But in third and six... After Ohio State botches the timeout, because that's the play where if that's they true. call the timeout yeah. and mm-hmm. there's more time on, then Michigan has to say, do we want to take 45 seconds off the clock or do we want to try to win the game? And they're, in that situation, there's some defense to just running it and taking the time off. But Ryan Day gives them those and then allows them to be able to try to go win the game on third and six. And they kind of so, just so run. my Yeah, my take is if – Ryan Day does the correct thing and takes the timeout. Then I think Michigan's best option right there is try to run, try to get a four-yard run on third and six that has a potential, maybe something with some frippery, something that like you think is going to get you that right, and then you can go for it again and win the game on fourth and two. But you, but in that situation, you have to make sure the clock runs. Right. If he runs the clock, though. Now he's already made the decision for you. Right. He's already run the clock down. He took care of the problem that you had, which was there's an extra 40 seconds on the clock. Right. Now you have to pass it. Yep. Frames, Jenkins. Yeah. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> so, 
so fourth and f- so. But for me on the third down, I'm, I don't want to run core up in the middle. I want to come up with something that is likely to run the clock, could blow up in your face, but has a better chance of converting. Like uh, an end around or reverse or flipping it in the flat or running JJ. Because if you lose six yards there, it just doesn't matter. And that's a play where like even – even just getting the ball to Donovan Edwards in space is kind of like running a jet with Samage or just something. Or getting the Philly special right because they're because they're <laughs> they're going to be absolutely selling out on the yeah. interior, and like maybe you just need one guy to screw it up, and then it's game over. So yeah. once that goes, once you you pick the wrong choice theoretically, and you're fourth and four, at that point, are you wanting him to go? Yes, because you've got a three point lead. I mean, it's close. <laughs> I know, they're right? Out of touch, they're out of timeouts. So if you go up six, they have to score a touchdown to win. But you're also changing their decision-making at points. Because if you're up three, then you can get them to a fourth down and they'll have to try a field goal. But if you're, they're down six, they're going for it all four downs. Now, like, they got down to the Michigan 40 with 34 seconds left. And, and part of that is you factor in... Is Will Johnson playing on, on that last drive? Right, and they have Marvin mm-hmm. Harrison, so right. you could like have like two guys hanging off both of his arms, and he's still going to catch, catch it in his teeth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I was like, we don't have Will Johnson. They have Marvin Harrison. I don't want to risk it. I mean, I would. I would. I would, I would I'd rather to, put the ball in Colson Loveland's hands and make sure would, that he catches it. I than, would try to end the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Seth, you were in, you were wanting them to go on fourth and four too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like if Harbaugh was there, he, they would have. And this is just my take. This is not like yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I, I feel like Sharon is the is like got caretaker syn- caretaker syndrome. Where no, he's like, I don't think so. Because the rest of his game, he was like, let's let's do it. Yeah, but those those are not hard decisions. He threw a halfback pass at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, that, was was part not, the this was not that was part of the game plan. That was part of the. I no, he wasn't Maryland. You know, it wasn't totally weak tight. But I think in that situation, he he didn't. He we had caretakers. Oh, you I, haven't that's talked my, about the most I, fun one. Well, not while well, he's saving it. Which one? The Ryan Day one. Well, we haven't gotten Ohio State. All right. Well, let's go. Yeah, that's why we're doing the segment first, because we want to talk about Ryan Day. Well, they punted on fourth and one. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own 46. You got a fourth and one. You're playing in the game. Well, you're playing in the game, but what did you do wrong last year? What did you hear about last year? And I know they did the whole, okay, we'll do the science thing, and we'll try to, like, you know, legalize them and all that kind of stuff. But... What you did wrong was you took your number one offense in the country off the field three times. And so when he punted there, I was like, you haven't learned a thing. Well, but that's also partially because of who they are as a program. Well, we definitely found that out. Because they were like 120th in power success rate last year. And what are they doing against Notre Dame earlier in the year? They're running jet sweeps on third and two. But you could throw it to Marvin Harrison, too. I don't, but... Not in that situation. Why? You could try to throw it to Marvin Harrison, but the percentage chance that that actually works out is a lot less than the percentage chance that Michigan gets a yard on a dive. So it does does change your decision-making when you're such a soft-batch program, but... So is it Roman Wilson. Not to the point where you can possibly justify punning on fourth and one on your own 46. No. I, no, I, no, I would, but I, I, I like, get, I get that. Like because of Marvin Harrison is why their run game works because you have to leave a safety back. Without Mar- you don't really have Marvin Harrison in that situation unless you want to like go you, deep. Because Michigan is is going to bring people up for a for a right. fourth and one, and they can still man up Marvin Harrison with Will Johnson and see yeah. where that goes. 
And if you're going to throw, it's not 90% to convert, especially with McCord. It could be 60, yeah. it could be 50. So I guess the way you justify Ryan Day's decision-making is by pointing out that his program is softer than a baby's butt. Fair. The so one. the second one that I had was, well, and this is the one where Travion Henderson lost it because, you know, they get, it's like fourth and two right at the end of the half, and there's like 25, 30 seconds left. And there's 40 seconds left. After that? It's, it's like 35 seconds, and then they run down the clock. Yeah, and so it's out. fourth and two. Fourth and two. From a 52-yard field goal, and... You know, Travion Henderson is flipping out on the field. He's, like, hitting himself in the head. He's yelling. He's waving. And Day's just – when I went back to do the rewatch, you don't see what Henderson's doing on the field. So if you weren't at the game, you didn't see that. What you do see on TV is Ryan Day standing next to the official and just waiting and waiting and waiting, and he takes it all the way down and calls timeouts. Now, Ohio State had to burn two timeouts or chose to burn two timeouts earlier in the first quarter, so they only had one left. But it's fourth and two from there. Like, it's, and you have 40 seconds and a timeout. It's Are you... fourth and two from the plus 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's a 52-yard field you goal. You call timeout. You got 34, 35 seconds left. So you would call timeout there? Yes, because, one, your kicker has never attempted a 50-yard field goal in his career. Okay. Going into this game, he was 3 of 5 from 40-plus. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, uh, I don't know about this. It's not a good bet if you fail on the fourth and two. Michigan has what, probably 30 seconds from their own 35. Maybe they can get into field But they goal have rushing. timeouts. Yeah, but with 30 seconds, like the timeouts. The likelihood of them scoring is not very high. They, they might go up and get a field goal. But, I mean, you're probably, you're, your chances of missing a field goal are a lot higher than and Michigan making one. Your other option there sorry, is to run sorry, it down sorry. to 20 seconds yeah. and then go for it. Because Michigan's not going to do anything with two plays. But if you, my thing about that is if you go for it and you get it, let's say you get three yards, you're kicking a 49-yard field goal instead of a 52-yard well, field goal. Well, what you're, what you're doing there is you're not going for three yards. You're just going to play it like, okay, we need to get but another 15 yards. You give, you give yourself a chance to have Marvin Harrison in the end zone a couple of times. That's true. You could you know, you get the first down. And, and I think that's like, what Henderson was jump. mad about. Is yeah. He was not like, I want a 47-yard field goal. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I, we need a touchdown here. Yeah. Yeah. And they got nothing, and that was a big Well, and so then we game. bring, you know, and, and this is, you know, now I got to bring up the other Craig Ross yelling point is he's like icing the kicker never works icing the kicker never works why do we ever do it don't ice the kicker I thought it, there were studies about this that it says it is mildly effective I don't know I think the study said it was not effective okay so it was, it was mildly less it, effective than just letting him kick so he gets his warm up field goal and nails it like and two then, seconds after they called timeout but, but I mean people do that and I think honestly I, I don't have a problem with that like people shoot shots right after fouls you know, I know take, I, I that's think fine. that's right I, I think that was that's probably like a hot take from three years ago so, so then they ice him, and he hooks it. Yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with the other thing, really. It's just well, but it's I just mean, the randomness of yeah. kicking. Sure. But hey, that's you, what. But Ryan, that's what Ryan Day was trying to set up was that shot, and you know he made the first one, and you point for Sharon Moore for icing him, and anything in the second half three worth off, noting off the board. Um, I don't. I didn't have. Yeah, I think one there. I think pretty much I all mean, their they scored, decisions were pretty rough. They scored touchdowns mm-hmm. and threw interceptions. Yeah. So now we can go through special teams. Tommy Doman, monster game. 
when, when I, one of the problems I, with his punts <laughs> is that he punted it like 70 yards and it went in the end zone. And, yeah. And a, he got it unlucky bounce. A huge field flipping play because that's after Michigan's oh. first two and outs. Uh-huh. And it feels like, okay, Ohio State moved the ball to midfield. We're kind of backed up here. We really need – we don't want to give him a short field. And then Doman just hammers it. And then in the second half, he has another one of those English punts where it's just like, yep, this is going Doing, straight up yep. in the air. Yeah, so he, he his first punt I thought was a little short on the after the first drive. It was like 35-ish yards. And then the next one went flying over his head and, and took and, – and that's like if you get a sideways bounce at all or you don't get like the Super Bowl bounce. Yeah. Like, So his first punt was kind of short. It's like 35 yards or so, and they run up and catch it. And then the second one is the bomb where if he just gets yeah. – any sort of a sideways bounce, any sort of a checkup, not the Super Bowl bounce, and then it's probably an amazing punt, yeah. especially from that distance, but it goes in the end zone. I mean, just watching Ibuka try to track it, it's just hilarious. It just kept going, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you see the punt, we're in the end zone, and we see the punt go up and like cover the scoreboard for a second, and we're like, oh my god! And then the third one was the wedge one, where he just drops it right in, is just... Well, on that is actually hugely consequential because that's the drive right before the end of the half for the where they missed the field goal. Right. Mm-hmm. So if he if that goes in the end zone, they're 18 yards closer to for yeah. that field goal attempt. And honestly, and that was that if was they're 18 yards closer. Don't you think they are ti- taking a timeout and going for two because they're like they have a pretty decent chance of getting a touchdown if they convert. Now Ryan Day is frames Janklin, so maybe not, but. <laughs> Well, and, you know, that was – it was such a huge punt from, like, a feelings ball point, too, because that was where Zinner gets burned and McCarthy gets a sack and you're like, oh, we had a chance to kind of take an extra score into the lead and mm-hmm. or into the half. And then you're, like, kind of out of it. And if the ball goes in the end zone, it's kind of like a double deflator, but he sticks it and you're kind of like, well, okay, now they have to waste some time trying to dig out of their own end zone. So, I mean, that was a big one. The one ding I do have on him, though, is he did have a kickoff out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. That, so. That's unfortunate. But as I think we mentioned in the open, like the short kickoff at the end of the game, I th- had to be intentional. You he's think, put you every think he s- dug fogged it? Yeah, because mm. every, every single one goes in the end zone is completely unreturnable. And then when it's like, maybe I can bait this guy. <laughs> and then that ends up costing them five seconds and six yards. Huge. Mm-hmm. And then James Turner nails all of his field goals. So I have to say this because Alex was going to come into this podcast and he's like, okay. One of the things that you have to talk about on this, my point, is James Turner MVP. No. No. <laughs> Mason Graham is on this I'm, team. I'm, I, Michael I'm, Barrett is on this team. I, Blake Corum is on this team. I feel like a dead messenger here. But okay. Sorry. That is what he, we, he we wanted me to, to talk about it. We are trying to make your carcass look bad enough that Alex knows not to send these kinds of messages again. Yeah, because, like, Alex isn't going to do that again. Hashtag <laughs> eye roll. So... But he hits a 50-yarder. It's a big field goal at the time. There was an argument for going for it, for sure. Sure. But that's a big, you know, he ta- he stretches it out to a full possession. Not I mean, like a- if you delete a field goal from this game for Michigan, it changes everything. Yeah. Like, and and you know what? The last field goal was from, you know, the he has, it's to the push side. And, you know, that's a big kick. It, 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 it's a makeable kick, and it's a kick that you want a guy that's going to, on a team that's going to go to the playoff to make. But you got to step up, and we talked about guys that did all the little things right throughout the game, and, and Turner did. He well, came here, and he made his kicks. I mean, especially in a moment when people are like, coach should go for it. I just think that, you know, you got to give props where they're due, and, and 
Turner was three of three. And, you know, whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision, he stepped up and did what he was asked to do and did his part to win the games. I mean, that's what they won. They didn't win by a touchdown. They won by two field goals. Yeah, and then Jesse Murko was awful. Like, he, yeah. like going into this game, is like, this guy is one of the worst punters in the Big Ten somehow. Yeah. Because he was very good last year. But his net this year was like 38 yards. And I think that, that bore out. So Michigan is in a field position game for much of the first half. And they're absolutely crushing the punting battle. Well, and then they that's their only penalty is on they don't have enough guys in the line of scrimmage, I think, yeah. on the punt. And so you get five more yards. So a short punt, you add on five, and they're starting at like, was it, I think it was a 36-yard line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, you're a few first downs away from field goal range. Yes, sir. All right. Do we have? Oh, I have a. I have a miscellaneous vibe. Take the oh. number of Ohio State yahoos around me was wonderfully reduced. Wow. <laughs> like, like two happy year- for you, Brian. Two years ago, like I mean, for the last decade, like half the people around me have been Ohio State fans, yeah. and this time there was like there was a, a father and his son, and they were completely normal people, <laughs> and I was more upset about the Michigan fan next to me saying, we have your signs, like, every... How many times? Like, 45 times. And at one point, I was like, it's not funny the 45th time. It wasn't funny the second it time. It wasn't funny the first the time. first time, yeah. So, but yeah, it was. It just took the one the one win and then the overall vibe to uh, dissuade the Ohio State fans from coming up in there, such numbers. Well, there were still... Uh, a there were still plenty, me, but like they weren't obnoxious. But I was kind of like, man, I, I'm always just going to be around you guys. Do you like, th- do you think it would have been fewer if they had not gone with the sign stealing thing? Do you think like enough of them convinced themselves that like ah, oh, yeah. yeah, I think I think they did. You have them around you? We had we we had one guy who was pretty nice, and then there was like a little pocket in like the little. We were at the bottom of a section with like the wheelchairs yeah, right in yeah. front of us, so we had like a nice little space. Yeah. Um, the Ohio State fans were actually there. They sold all the seats right behind, like at the top of our section. I'm at the bottom of the section. So if Ohio State made a good play, I heard them behind me. Or like when they were trying to sing their fight song, I heard them behind me. But that's not that bad. It was pretty fun when like, we rushed the field and you're kind of jumping around and then you look up and you see the scoreboard. And then next to the, in the scoreboard, it's just empty except for the Ohio State band. That's just mm. kind of like stuck in their little area and they can't really do anything because you can't really go anywhere because you can't you pretty much have to exit down through everything and i you know i've been there (laughs) in columbus (laughs) and it sucks and it's kind of like ah it's nice to be on the other side there was definitely a point when michigan fans are trying to get down to go onto the field and ohio state fans are going up trying to get past each other and it's like the that section of ohio state fans that's low in the corner where like the families are and they just want to get out of there and see their kids and and i want to i I enjoyed that mike sainristil's dad had a giant (laughs) mike sainristil head for for senior day and then it was at midfield during the field rush and i'm like that's mike sainristil's dad because (laughs) parents were on the field i mean we ran by parents when we were in the field there's you know players going by us and there's 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 parents going by you and you're just i mean it was uh there was an old lady who like got handed down over the side at the in the end zone where it's like 10 feet and like someone like was like helping her down and then she gets down there and she's like how do i get up I did enjoy that all the security people did was like, all right, no goalposts. <laughs> right. Did you go on the field? No. Oh. I don't. I don't. You're doing the fun, Brian? I, 
It's uh, it's. I like watching it from. Did you go? A few rows so up. I went down to the first row. Yeah. I stood next to Buckeye guy, who yeah. actually is a really nice dude, by the way. Big and nut. Big nut. No, oh, no he, but not Buckeye guy. Big, big nut, nut is yeah, like. Yeah. Buckeye guy is the insane one. Big Buckeye guy is a horrible person. Oh, big yeah. nut is a, is a really good person. I've heard that he's just like one of the best guys. Yeah, yeah, and he was best friends with Rob Lytle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I was chatting with him while my nephew, who I took to the game. Went down on the field oh, and, and bounced around yeah. and high five players and whatnot. Yeah, he's a good sport because he's always in Patrick's picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, you just, I mean, you just know if you dress like that, I mean, anywhere. Oh, he's, he's, he's expecting it. You just know, it. hey, yeah. it's he's, either going to be the best day of your life or the worst. He's so. he's just one of those fans, and it's it, you don't meet a lot of them in Ohio State to but uh, he's one of those fans who just really wants his team to win. Not like he's not there to hate. He wants to. Root for his I team. think there's a fair chunk of the Ohio State fan base that's like that. Michigan State, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was a good time. I, um, I also enjoyed Carl Grapentine's like admonitions, like, "Okay, it's time to get off the field." Yeah, do you see all those good citizens heading for the exits? <laughs> It was like, all right. Everybody's just making comments. Go off. Uh-huh. And um, at the same time, the students are still coming on to the field. Right, right. Oh, yeah. He did it for a good 20 minutes of people entering because people took time to get down. So Jake Thaw had his probably one of his best games because he comes up to catch the punt. Yeah. And then the second time he catches the punt oh and he gets God. rocked by Zeke Barry. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and you're just like, what are we doing? Yeah, that could have been. <laughs> that could have been bad. Very bad. Yeah. But I think I think we're we're complete with uh, all of our miscellaneous takes. Do you want to get into the refs? Oh God, yeah. So Roman Wilson's touchdown was a touchdown. Yes, he has clear possession of the ball. He, he crosses he the plane. goal line. Whistle plays over. over. Ryan Day's still complaining about it. Well, good. Well, you got to have something to complain. Die about. mad. I mean, it was funny because there's like all. It's enjoyable to watch the supposedly uh, neutral people in the Ohio State media community turn into ridiculous fanboys. So Ari Wasserman was like, that's a push-off after the uh, completion to Cornelius Johnson to convert on the, the last drive for Michigan. Okay. <clears throat> and it's just like, dude, you're supposed to be at least a th- theoretically an impartial media member. I just don't believe that exists. Well, no. There are people that claim to be. But there, but if there you... are people who can, can actually act professional. Yeah, and Wasserman is not one of them. Axelrod is not one of them. None of but none of the guys on that beat. That's why, like, I don't. You know, clowns. You know, it's the the Pistons were playing the Nuggets, and um, Jokic gets two T's and thrown out. And the Pistons announcers Blaha are are basically saying like you can't do that because people paid money to come watch Jokic play. And so when you have, I don't, I don't necessarily mind biases in those situations. It just has to be known. And then you have to try to be fair. Like, we're obviously Michigan biased in how we view things and what we want to have happen. But the thing I've always said about you, Brian, and I mean the blog, is like, look, we're going to tell you when Michigan sucks. We're going to tell you when they do the wrong thing. We're going we're gonna to not, like, take shots, but we're going to be like, look, this is needs to be better. You want to be what you want to be. This needs to be fixed. And so when you can do that, you know, that's fine. I, I don't mind. Everyone's going to root for things. If you're, if you're not rooting for something in sports, what are you, what are you doing? But it, it was extremely entertaining to see all, like, the, the pay site people complain about the officiating after the game because we're going into this game and there's a certain conspiratorial part of the Michigan fan base that's like, oh, Tony Petiti is going to screw us over with the officials. Yeah. And Michigan yeah. takes one penalty uh, in the no, game? No. No, two. There, there was, two. Well, there was, there was the, the, the Mason Graham one. Yeah. 
and then the, there's the pass interference. I guess the it pat- didn't count. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that one was not controversial. Yeah, <laughs> but well, neither was the hands to the face. Well, all the, yeah, Derek Moore, I think, had that one. So no, there was nothing that got called. Well, the Mason Graham one, I guess, was a little iffy. But so that's not a conspiracy because there's one iffy call against you. No, it did. It did irritate me that holding was just not going to get called in this game, and Michigan benefited from it once, but. I don't remember if that drive was going to go anywhere. And then there was the Trana run we've referenced a couple of times where it was just like, that is a material hole it that you have to It looked like call. it could be a hole. I mean, he's, he's, he gets turned away from the running back. That's not a natural position to be in. And it, like, yeah. I was just shocked that that didn't get called. I mean, this, I've been doing this defense all year. They have not called holding this were, conference at all this season. Were you mad about any of the reviews? I, I, I felt like they were. I mean, they did a good job. Reviewing the reviews the were all right. If and if there hadn't right. been a review system, this game would have been very Michigan biased. So I I thought that the Quorum touchdown, the first one, the, fir- the, the review, third down run, the mm-hmm. third down run, he was in, and you yeah. need to have the courage of your convictions as a replay official and call that in. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was close. It was close, but he was in. Yeah, like there's there's no question about it. And then they came back and they reviewed another spot. And I was like, if you uh, if you didn't change that one, you can't change this one. And then they changed it anyway. And I was like. Well, that was the JJ one, right? Yeah. And that was pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, the ball was clearly in his right hand. He did not get a first down on that. Yeah. But, I mean, most of them were like, you know, the Wilson non-catch. Like, he, he did. Out of bounds yeah, one. he was out of bounds. Yeah. And they called that incorrect on the field and they yeah. fixed it. Fleming, like, he would have had a great catch taken away if they didn't have review and fix it. I mean, that, yeah. w- that was the only one to me that was dead obvious of, like, all right, what are we doing? We're done. Not, not, I mean, you look at it the first time and you're like, nope, catch, move on. Well, the first time, when you look at it at real speed, it, like, he catches the ball, he hits the ground, it comes out. And it kind of feels like maybe it didn't survive contact with the ground. And when you look at it again, it's like, yep. okay, it did. Yep. It shouldn't have taken as long. Yes. And mm-hmm. I got a, the replay official, Reviewing the Rod Moore interception, you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> can't do what? Gave me a goddamn heart attack <laughs> because the stadium replay cuts out the bottom half. Cuts of out, it. You can't see the ball, and so I'm like, why are they cutting out the bottom half? Did he actually catch it? Is this going to be overturned, and then we get a 15 yard penalty for taking off the helmet for, again? For taking again, off the helmet again on, on a play that like ends the game but doesn't end the game. So I was I was losing my mind. What about the photo online that was going around where oh was... where, where they proved he has elbows? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's a treasure. <laughs> he's he's just the dumbest man in the world. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't do that to me. I I refuse to be put in that emotional situation. Well, what are we uh, doing? Why did why uh, why is that up there on the screen? Like I. I why, like, why, like, well, you, like, if you're going to show the replay, you've you got to show, the, show replay. the replay and not imply that you're cutting off the bottom because Rod Moore didn't actually intercept the ball. Yeah. I got a lot of problems about that one incident. I was, I, I, had, a, I had a rough time too because that, that was the one time where I was like, uh oh, we're, we're, we're trying to convince ourselves that it, it was a catch and it wasn't. Well, yeah. All but, right. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the fumble. Was that a fumble or was it a catch? That was an incompletion. So that's so what, what you, I kind of thought, so too. So he, he, he catches the ball. He takes one step. He takes two steps. What he does not do is secure the football. He does not make a football move. He's just holding it. And to complete the process of the catch, you have to bring it into your body and tuck it. He doesn't do that. It gets knocked out. It's an incompletion. 
Yeah, he's he's holding the ball is like coming out slowly as he's taking these steps. But which they call, so it's not a catch yet. They call stands, right? They called stands, but again, as the replay official with the courage of convictions, you have to one. That's something we're looking at it in slow mo makes it seem like more of a catch than it actually is. Yeah, and he doesn't secure the football. He holds the football. He does not secure it. But it wasn't like the worst. No, I mean it's. Cool. I mean, you it's, could see it being stands. Like when you're watching it, I'm like, it's, ah, it's close I, enough that it stands. But I always go back to that goal Michigan scored against Clarkson in the NCAA tournament, where the replay official is relying on this zoom in from like an end zone camera, but you can see white between the puck and the line, and he calls it a goal, and I'm like, that's a replay official for you. Like yeah. he, you, he could get away with not calling that a goal. Just like you could get away with calling it stands, but I think that they didn't really overturn anything unless it was like blatant, like the like the the JJ run out of bounds. Well, like that yeah, one was I mean, blatant. Everything else, they were just like, so like these are so close. We're just we're not gonna. Well, the standard there is like it's almost too high because I feel like if it's eighty percent, you're not gonna overturn it. But if it's ninety five percent, you're gonna overturn it. And yeah. I would rather have the eighty percent be overturned. But yeah, I mean, I've always said if you have the benefit of replay, just watch it on a like use replay to get it right. I don't care what the original call was, but that's obviously not how. That's not how it's done. That play is an example, though, I think, of watching in real time, and it's a lot clearer. Sab is right there. The person who's closest to this and watching it happen is Keon Sab, and he starts celebrating the PBU instead of going for a fumble because to him it's obvious that it was a PBU. I, I think – I'm just guessing here, but I think that because Day had given them such an earful about – the Roman Wilson one, they figured let's call that one the same way, and then and, and and then he has no complaint. So in the end, if you get this kind of reviews, these kind of calls, officiating overall, you take it in this game, right? I mean, Michigan's had games against Ohio State before that have just been like, I mean, the sixteen game, right? Yeah, I mean, the sixteen game was a that, joke. that comes to mind. There's been other ones. Thirteen I mean, game. I mean, I mean, this this one. I mean, you take it. I mean, it's it's funny because like. The uh, Ohio like Ramsey's like, oh, it was an interception in the end zone, and that's why we <laughs> lost. And I'm like, bro, no. As soon as he crosses the plane with control of the ball, it's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. touchdown. And they, you know, they kind of owed him one from the Fiesta Bowl anyway. So. Well, also his knees down, yeah. so the play's over. So you can pull the ball out if the play's over, and it's over. But he secures it because then- Ryan Day mentioned it in the press conference. Well, and that's why there's they always come up with an excuse. You, you're like, okay. That's yeah, it. Like, we've definitively destroyed these people. But, the, but now we've. But come, it was snowing. But we. But C.J. Stroud was sick. But now we've come full circle to you had what our you, signs. But this we've come full circle to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast. This is who they are. It, there's always a reason. I mean, the or program, an excuse, I should say. At this point, the program is as soft as that fan base. It's so tough being an Ohio State fan. Good. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 
945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. Hey, so I have like insurance and stuff, but I don't really like know what's going on with it. Yeah, it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy. Uh, he's a uh, his name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, "Yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it." I also like I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? They have a website? <laughs> they have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. We've been servicing Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit for over 40 years. And we know that the last thing you want to worry about is your heating and cooling system breaking down. Right now is a good time to sign up for our preventative maintenance plan. So you don't have to worry about it in November when the fourth quarters get interesting. Our maintenance members also get discounts and service calls. And you can rest assured our team plays tough in sun or snow and have never been called soft by Lou Holtz. Whether you need a tune-up, are ready for a new system, or want to upgrade your air quality before winter, call us anytime or schedule an appointment on our website at SharonsHeating.com. JamieMacOfJustCoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. I'm exhausted, but oh, exhilarated. And I can tell you it's good to be back in Ann Arbor today after spending just one night back home in Ohio, where all signs and signals are pointing to Ryan Day's hell on earth. 
We're going to start with the last game that is relevant to us, which is Iowa 13, Nebraska 10. Uh, I don't know if you can properly say that this is a mo- the most Iowa win ever because they're all the same. Yeah. But Iowa gets a field goal of about uh, 30 yards, 38 yards. A guy named Marshall Meter, who is not their kicker, because their kicker actually missed a couple field goals in this game. Had them blocked. Yeah, right? he, had, he had two blocked, and he also had two kickoffs that he booted out of bounds. So the uh, matrix is malfunctioning for Iowa <clears throat> special teams. So they bring in this guy, and he kicks a winning field goal from 38 yards that goes would have been good from about uh, 40. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I, I said 36. Is, and uh, Iowa gets the Heroes Trophy and immediately breaks it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is is Kirk going from his starting kicker to his backup kicker who's never kicked before for a game-winning kick? Is that someone, somewhat the Iowa equivalent of Nick Saban making the Jalen Hurts to a switch way back when in the playoffs? <laughs> uh, maybe. If the guy had actually given us any confidence, he could make a right. field goal longer than 38 yards. Uh, totally arts in this one are pretty typical. Nebraska, 264. Iowa, 275. Actually kind of seems like it's going to be a barn burner for Iowa because they get uh, an early long rush from LaShawn Williams who goes 16 carries for 111 yards. Deacon Hill, uh, not great. 11 of 28, 94 <laughs> yards, a pick. And on the other side, they go with Chubba Purdy again, 15 of 28, buck 89, one touchdown, one interception. He's actually their leading rusher with 12 carries for 42 yards. Uh, Iowa's defense is Iowa's defense. Completely shuts down Nebraska except for one 66-yard touchdown catch from Jalen Lloyd. Yeah, talk about the how the game – I mean, the, the last field goal was interesting, but like the yeah. change of interceptions. The, all of it. The last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, Iowa games are always Iowa games, but you add Nebraska in and it just it – just, it just breeds a whole different sort of gong show. So just in the last 10 minutes, I'll, ma- I'll make this quick, and I'm pretty sure this is in chronological order. So about 10 minutes to go in the game, Nebraska has a third and seven. Purdy is scrambling on the outside, and he's got the first down. He's got two hands on the ball. There's no Iowa defender anywhere near him. He's got the first down, like I said, and then he fumbles the ball. He just flat fumbles it in the Oops. air. Whoops, yeah, Iowa recovers it. Uh, they have to move it back, obviously, to where he fumbled. So then it's fourth and four. They, uh, they're going to kick a field goal of about 47 yards. One problem. Their field goal kicker did not run onto the field. And the, and the play-by-play guy is like, they don't have a field goal kicker on there. And the analyst, whose name I can't remember, I should have looked that up, is just rolling over in laughter. I mean, this is Oh, the these guys thing. have never done an Iowa they, game they before. They never have, yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. They've never done an Iowa game before. Because everyone who's done an Iowa game before is like, oh, here we go. Yeah. But these guys are like, what is going on? So, uh, rule... Changes course and decides to punt, which was it, it pinned Iowa back to the one, so that was nice. He was asked afterwards about that sequence. He said they were going to run a fake field goal. So they didn't tell the kicker, though. So what are you going to do? Um, they get the ball back because they force a three and out. And uh, they get a couple first downs, but then they have a couple penalties. They shank a field goal. Um, and then on the next Iowa possession, both teams called timeout at the same time. And the refs spent about two or three minutes trying to figure out how to adjudicate that. I've never seen a game in any sport where both teams called timeout at the same time. But that was kind of weird. Um, oh, and then 12 seconds did not run off the clock. Oh, that's with about, right. With about a minute and 50 so to go. Nebraska had the ball. And Nebraska at that had point. the ball, yeah. Nebraska and there was had the a ball. play where the, the clock just didn't, didn't run at all. Didn't start. And, they, and um, nobody noticed except 
the people broadcasting the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you should have to like be able to call down. Yeah, and be like, hey, I guys. feel like that's correctable, right? Right. Like, <laughs> but I mean, the last two minutes of this game was, I mean, it was a fitting way for the Big Ten West to go out. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll come back to that. Twelve seconds. So then, with fifty-five seconds to go, as Seth alluded to, somehow the teams traded interceptions. And the first one was, you know, Iowa threw an interception. You're like, oh my gosh, Nebraska is going to have a chance to win this game. Nope. Chubba Purdy just throws it over the middle, not really over the middle. He just throws it like down the middle to a wide open Iowa linebacker. They return it a little bit, but here's where those 12 seconds come in. That possession starts with 15 seconds to go. Right. And they run a play, and as you said earlier, that kicker barely got it over the goalpost. So they would probably have to kick that field goal instantly had that 12 seconds been uh, run off. And who knows, we might still be trying to do two-pointers in overtime at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then uh, the last thing was the whole Marshall meter thing, but you, you've already brought that up. So Michigan is going to play Iowa next week. The over-under in this game is 35-and-a-half. Michigan is favored by 23 points, <laughs> therefore implying a final score of approximately 29-6, to six, which is possibly what I will predict because I like yeah, weird scores. that does sound like up your alley. But, I mean... I can't imagine this is going to be any different than the first Big Ten championship game against Iowa. No, no, I, I can't either. I think the key to the game is to keep uh, Tory Taylor off the field. Iowa is now 11-2 and when he punts eight or more times, <laughs> which, is, which is absolutely crazy. The two times they lost were the 9-6 to game last year to Illinois and the 12-10 to game earlier this year against Minnesota. But, but joking aside, I do want to go back to that Big Ten championship game. I mean, Michigan cruised, obviously. We all remember it. But do you remember that end of the second quarter where Michigan had three straight possessions inside their own 10 because of Taylor's punting? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a spot in the game where we, we, we've, we've seen it many times since then where you know, Iowa gets a tip pass for a pick or, or safety. or you know, that's, that's when this kind of average Iowa team and their, their defense can kind of push them forward. I mean, Michigan but had- Minnesota pl- – I'm sorry, Michigan played very safe. Punted. Robbins had a 50-yard punt in one of those sequences. They got the halftime at 14-3, to and on the reset, they blew him out at the second half. So. I mean, I want to bring this up. Last When Michigan played them in the Big Ten Championship, we needed to have a, that J.J. Quorum run, mm-hmm. right, which is using J.J.'s legs, which is like, you know, a trick play for Michigan. And the other one was the halfback pass to Roman yeah. Wilson. Oh, yeah. Well, they were also driving on the, the, the play at the drive after that, and then they had the weird Eric all deflected interception so they were yeah. Moving. oh yeah i yeah. remember that they play. were moving the ball and then that prevented them from going up more before halftime mm-hmm. and then you know there's a certain point in an iowa game where they fall behind by a couple scores where the defense just kind of checks out like penn state earlier this yeah. year which yeah. is like we're not winning this and game you're not going to climb back in a game with deacon hill for the season 48.3 uh completion percentage 4.9 yards per attempt yikes five touchdowns six picks 16 sacks it's just Hasn't been a good experience for him. I, I wonder if Michigan will de- deviate from the Ohio State plan now that they've played Ohio State. Yeah. And, like, actually bring someone into the box. Oh, please. Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot stress this enough. Got to get a big lead. Get, get a couple touchdown lead on Iowa early, mm-hmm. and there's nothing they can do. They're not going to come back and score. If you wait and you let them Iowa for a bit, there's always, like, Two quarters of Iowing mm-hmm. in between there, and then you're in a game, and then it becomes like a you can't get in that situation. Yeah, they've won five games this year with a success rate of thirty percent or lower. And I mean, this is a game where Michigan can probably just run it in the line over and over again and wait for Iowa to self-destruct on offense. Mm-hmm. Like you could argue for the Penn State game plan. 
mm. against this team because you're eventually going to crack something yeah. with your your ground game. You know, I mean, I think we're at the point with McCarthy where you don't have to you know baby him and you can have him throw a significant amount, but it's not going to be like last year's Big Ten championship game where it's like, oh, we got to put up some points. Right. Well, no, I mean they're going to be in cover too anyway, so there's going to be more coverage out there than probably Michigan's faced most of the season. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see what Iowa decides to do up front because when Michigan played Iowa two years ago, that was the game where it's just like, oh, yep, we're still going to be in our cover two shell and you can just run duo for six yeah. yards at a time every time. Yeah, yeah. And and this Iowa team is actually, I don't think, as good as that Iowa team was. And that Iowa team was a lot worse than the Iowa team that we faced in the Big Ten Championship last time. This was, I mean... Iowa did not win the Big Ten West in true Big Ten West fashion. <laughs> Six teams lost it. Everybody lost it to Iowa. Well, and they don't have Dijon. Yeah. yeah. So the punt return threat is severely reduced. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, Michigan has given up punt returns, let alone, let alone successful punt returns this year because it's always yeah. fair mm-hmm. catch a clock. And, I mean, I don't want to, like, sound too cocky, but just, like, how's Michigan going to lose this game? Right. Um I've got a couple things here on Iowa. Uh, Eric All hasn't played in the last five and a half games, and he still leads the team in receiving yards. Yep. Yep. Now, for the good on Iowa, though, their back seven compared to Ohio State's back seven, I think, is a lot better. And if you did a draft of Ohio State and Iowa back seven players, who are you taking from Ohio State before Sebastian Castro, Xavier Nwampa, Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, maybe even Quinn Schulte? And, of course, if Dijon was playing, he'd be on that list too. Denzel maybe Burke. Denzel Burke. Burke yeah. Maybe Burke. I don't think you would take Eichenberg, and I think everybody else no. is not is, yeah. wouldn't even be a factor. So well, that's, that's going to be kind of interesting matchup-wise. You, you're talking about what kind of game plan they're, they're going to have for yeah, Iowa. Yeah, but it does feel like pass rush has been an issue for them because last year they had – uh, the backup guy who actually went pretty high in the draft yeah. who was a good rusher, and they just don't really have a... No. I mean, they don't have that individual ability, I think, Agreed. this they've, year. They've got a couple undersized defensive tackles, and it's sort of like, kind of like pass rush by committee, but maybe not as good as Michigan's pass rush by committee, if yeah, you will. Yeah, and they lost one of their starting DTs to a gambling thing this offseason. Yes, no, Ooh. Shannon, that was a big loss. And Which is BS, by the way, but... Yeah, I um, mean, yeah. Uh, and it just feels like... Iowa is going to have to start doing some things that they don't want to do if they're going to stop the ground game, and then hopefully Michigan can hit a couple of big, big plays, see if Donovan Edwards has uh, limbered up the arm again. Yeah, yeah. I that's again, hit them big early, get your points on the board. Once you're up fifteen, nothing, you can just sit on them because right, yeah. there's because they're not going to be moving the ball against Michigan's defense. I I think that they're going to be sitting back and letting mm-hmm. you run, but like they they tighten up and. If you have something planned or if you have something you didn't use against Ohio State, go ahead and unload it early because getting early up early on these guys is how you knock Iowa out of the game. Yeah. The yeah. rest of the league scored points. <laughs> uh, Are you talking about Northwestern Illinois? I is am. that where you're going? I thought Western 45, Illinois 43 in regulation. Yeah. An incredible football game. Uh, it was like, what? what is going on here? Is it the Big 12 just busted out right illinois actually outgains northwestern uh 455 to 379 but they turned the ball over four times Mm -hmm. to northwestern's two um paddock actually has almost 10 yards in attempt three touchdowns two picks you kind of feel like maybe if he can cut out some of the interceptions they might have something there because i think two out of his, his three games have been really excellent statistically northwestern's ben bryant 
has a very similar day, 24 of, of 32, 234 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Neither team really does a whole lot on the ground. It's just uh, Farmageddon, it <laughs> but there's no snow on the field. Right. Um, you know, I agree with you about Paddock. Uh, plus, their wide receiver trio of Washington, Brian, and Williams has been great here the second half of the season. Um, for a 5-7 and seven team that never really looked good all year, I'm kind of excited about them because they're sophomores all up and down the depth chart, and they could be solid next year. I think I looked at their schedule. They don't get crushed, you know, with the new schedule. They could they could get seven, seven wins next year, but the turnovers were really the problem. Minus two for Illinois. They actually had a pick six in the second quarter uh, off of one of Northwestern's turnovers, but but Illinois' turnovers killed them as well. Two turnovers in the fourth quarter, Northwestern scored 10 points off of, and that was the uh, decisive um, decisive swing. They got a long touchdown out of a long touchdown catch run out of Washington to cut an eight point eight point lead down to six, but they missed the two point conversion, and uh, that was all she wrote. Northwestern seven and five, five and four. Big Ten record after yeah. only winning two yeah. Big Ten games the last two years. And, and knocked Illinois out of a bowl. Yeah. Would you like to hear uh, Burt being mad? Yes. A two-point conversion try was uh, tipped, so they knocked off a yeah, yeah. DPI. Mm-hmm. Bolima says, that was bull. The call should have been defensive holding. Then the tip wouldn't matter. It's a shame that our season came down to that. An incorrect call. Hmm. Bro! Our- even if you won that game, you're going to the quick lane bowl. Bert, Bert, meet me, me, me to go, Bert. Is this where we say hashtag karma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that guy. The, um, I do want to give some a shout-out to Illinois' uh, Casey Washington, who, you know, a lot of those passing yards that you're creating to Paddock were just him, you know, stiff-arming dudes and then running past them. Well, I want to give some credit to Northwestern's head coach, uh, David, David Braun, Braun uh, at the I, I referenced earlier the pick six that took place with about a minute ten in the second quarter. It was a bad pick six, and it was an easy touchdown for Illinois, returning it back up the sideline. You think, well, okay, let's just regroup at halftime. No, they came out aggressive, throwing the ball. Uh, Bennett was four for four on that drive, or Bryant rather was four for four on that drive. He also had a fifteen yard run, so they didn't turtle after he had a horrible play. I just thought that was really thought that was really impressive. You know, he he's already got the job, but he's still playing. You know, like he's got something to prove. I, I just like that. And you know, we've heard for years that the only guy who could coach Northwestern was Pat Fitzgerald. And I mean, I think they kind of found somebody here. Yeah, he's just kind of Pat Fitzgerald too. Yeah. All right, moving on. Purdue thirty-five, Indiana Ugh. thirty-one. Tom Allen has gotten the axe. Twenty-one million dollar buyout, so he'll be fine. Yeah. Indiana. Uh, probably don't really need to talk that much about the game, but we can talk about where Indiana goes from here in terms of head coach. Sure. Really quickly, I just want to throw out their record the last three years in Big Ten play. It was only 3-24. and 24. Uh, But I'm going to do that record a big solid, kind of, maybe not, by throwing out the 0-9 burger against Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Still 3-15 and 15 the last three years in Big Ten play, allowing 588 total points and losing by an average score of 32-20. to 20. To the other Big Ten schools, <laughs> not good. Uh, as far as candidates, um, pulling from the Indianapolis Star, Chris Vanini's article at The Athletic, and also um, uh, College Football Scoop, a lot of candidates are already being thrown out. Uh, Jason Candle, 
I'm not a big fan of that. I've watched a lot of Toledo games, obviously. He has a huge talent advantage every time he plays a game in the MAC, and they never look like it. I don't know what he would look like at Indiana when he doesn't have a talent advantage. Probably a lot like Tim Beckman maybe at Illinois. Well, no. <laughs> Tim okay. Beckman was a special oh, I know. Individual. That's true. That's true. That's very true. stands <laughs> for outstanding no. knowledge. No, it's a uh, – come on. That is true. I, I, but he was one of the. I, four. I, I got it wrong, just so Brian would quote it. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, go for uh, it. Our success um, it leads to knowledge. No, it's like knowledge. <laughs> uh, and the third e. I don't. I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, dis, I'm really. Dis, I'm yeah. disappointing the the, the the fan base, right. the listeners. I'm um, sorry. Kane Womack's name is an obvious candidate that people are throwing out. He was a defensive coordinator in 2020 when Indiana had such a great season. That was his one year there, and he's been coaching South Al since as a head coach he's he's been okay this hasn't been the greatest season for them um i kind of think he's just a younger version of tom allen though i really think this team might need a little bit of an offensive guru yeah yeah it was tom um, allen's so defense big, anyway that year yeah, yeah yeah right right um you guys are gonna be floored by this one that's being flown around like jerry Hart? kill Jared, Jared Kill, Kill's doing Jared a great, he's Kill. doing a great job at New Mexico. I mean, he's been an amazing season. Actually, well, I, two seasons. You said Jerry Kill. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said Jared Kill, and you're, no. you're, no. you're going like, to hit me like Jerry Kill has a kid. <laughs> if I'm Jerry Kill, I'm just sticking there. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to go back into the Big Ten meat grinder. I've made enough money that it yeah. doesn't matter. Like people like me, it's low stress. Yeah. But he'd be. I think he'd be a good hire. I just don't. I mean, he would have those guys. I'd be like, I'm done. This yeah. is where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, I, it's not like you hire Jerry Kill and he's going to be the coach for seven to ten years either. You're probably right. looking for another coach in a handful of years. Two other names that got thrown around. No Mike Hart, but uh, Brian Hartline, eh. Um, but I like Tyson Helton, the Western Kentucky coach, just because of, of the names that have been listed. There's probably some other candidates that somebody could throw my way and I'd be like, ooh. But I just feel like they need an offensive guru. I don't yeah. think at a place like Indiana in – in college football in the 2020s, you win with gritty defense. I think you just win by scheming up an offense, not necessarily fooling people, but yes, fooling people. And this team, this program, has been so bad on third and fourth downs over the years. 42% on fourth down the last 10 years. Last two years, only 19 for 49 on fourth down. You know, this year we had a critical, horrible, like, run up the middle on fourth and one against Louisville that got stuffed. And then yesterday... With the game on the line, driving for maybe the game-winning points, they get stuffed on third and one, and then they try to throw a pass on fourth and one, and they just totally forgot to block Nick Sortum, like yeah. one of the best defensive ends in the Big Ten. So an offensive guru, somebody who can do something on third and fourth down would be nice. The other I, think thing, they li- I think they've got something in Soresby, though, so yeah. I do like him. Mm-hmm. The other thing that might be interesting from the fallout from this is, is Aaron Casey a free agent now? Possibly. Because if he hits the portal, I think Michigan should be on top of that. Well, I mean, I just mentioned Sorsby. I've already heard scuttlebutt that he might hit the transfer portal. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that need quarterbacking. So, yeah, this this could be. It's like him and McCulley, for me, are the guys who mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. pretty interesting. I guess it depends what kind of NFL grade Casey gets because he is draft eligible. Is he? Yes. Well, oh, he'll go to the draft then. Well, he might, but he, you know, sometimes people are like, well, if I play on Michigan for a yeah. year, I might yeah. up well, my stock I mean, you could probably make more money at NA, on NIL at Michigan in a year than you could as like a fourth-round draft true. pick. Because yeah. Michigan has been like – that is a, a spot where they're like, yeah, we can, we can make some stuff happen here. All right, Maryland 42, Rutgers 24, Tungavailoa 361 yards, 31 attempts. 
ends his Big Ten career with a bang yeah. and also one interception. <laughs> um, Rutgers is a defensive program. They were only uh, – Maryland was only favored by two in this game. But Hemby goes uh, buck 13 on just 15 mm-hmm. carries. Rutgers just completely falls apart. Wimsett completes like a third of his passes. Manangai has a nice day on the ground, but that's not nearly enough to keep pace with a Tugavailoa who's only throwing one interception. Yeah, yeah, Maryland won this game in the first quarter. Oh yeah, they scored touchdowns on their first four drives, yeah. and you know Rutgers just, does not have an offense to keep up. Yeah, I mean Rutgers plays a good defensive game, but they play man mostly. Mm-hmm. And I know that they, you know, they changed things up and kept Ohio State close, but they tried to just play man against these receivers, and you saw them against Michigan's yeah. cornerbacks. They're good, and you know Tugavailoa put a couple dimes down the sideline and that's all it took yeah maryland outgained them 498 to 355 on 21 fewer plays and as far as wimsat for ruckers 34 passing attempts yikes that's just ugly 31 percent success they rate got passing the football i know they yeah, got behind that was still it's that was just, why is it the game like they can't he, he's not the guy who can yeah, bring you back if ruckers right. is in the game it's because it's close and they can run with Wimsat, yeah. and they can get Manongai to like maybe break a tackle and get them uh, a chunk yard and get them into position. That's how Rutgers can compete with a good team. When they fall behind like that, it's they they fall like a house of cards. Yeah. Tonga Vailoa is now your all-time leader in passing yards in the yeah. Big Ten. Can you name who he passed? Jack Trudeau. No. It is it is going to be a similarly mid quarterback. Oh no, Curtis Painter. Oh, Painter, of course. So. <laughs> Not even Drew Brees, Curtis Painter. Curtis Painter. Wow. So there. I was go. going to. I was thinking in terms of like John Boyder or something like like some guy who just like had two years that I didn't even recognize him playing before he played Michigan. Wisconsin twenty-eight, Minnesota fourteen. Given what we've seen from Minnesota's defense the last couple of weeks, this is just was always going to happen. Braylon Allen comes back uh, from injury, buck 65 on 26 carries. Tanner Mordecai, functional but not super impressive, 145 yards on 22 attempts, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, And then Minnesota's offense is basically just Daniel Jackson, who has 121 receiving yards. Arthur Kalikmanis gets 41 receiving yards to guys not named Jackson. (laughs) I think that guy's draftable. I think he's a pretty interesting player, but Minnesota really just finishes this year on a slide that kind of – I mean, they're not going to fire P.J. Fleck because the the previous three or four years, they've been about as good as Minnesota's mm-hmm. ever been since 1960. But this could be hot seat next year-ish. I mean, five and seven isn't exactly a crater, but – No, I, I think a lot of Minnesota folks thought this was going to be a little bit of a transition year, but – the five and seven is a little bit collapsy as opposed to just a especially in yeah. this Big Ten West. Yeah, exactly. And they put a lot of hype behind Calic Manis, and I'm just not seeing it. In ten Power Five games this year, he only he was a negative total EPA and a negative EPA per dropback in seven of them. The only three games where he was in the positive were against Purdue, Illinois, and Northwestern. And I don't even think he was that good in those games. Against Purdue, he was eighteen for forty two. Um, for like 200-some yards, 50% completion rate against Illinois. You know, but he threw eight touchdowns to no picks in those three games, uh, but only five touchdown passes the rest of the season against all competition. I just don't see it with him. And I said earlier in the year that he might be P.J. Flex, Graham Mertz, because they have no quarterback room after him. And, you know, this is their quarterback. Yeah. And that, I don't think... 
augurs could, well for the future. He could run the offense they were running last year just fine. Mm-hmm. When they were an RPO offense where the running back is and the, the offensive line are doing the job, they lost some guys on the offensive line. They got picked apart in the portal defensively. They did. Yeah. And I think those two things really – they, it took away Minnesota's opportunity to play the kind of mm-hmm. ball that that PJ Fleck built there. Yeah. I think the portal arrow kind of might have undone undone PJ Fleck because he's not a great go out and recruit other guys' players. He gets his players by finding them early and then doesn't let them go and see other schools and tries to keep them a secret. Yeah, I agree. They were lined up to have a great secondary. Uh, they brought in a couple transfers before twenty twenty two Bishop. Mm-hmm. And Dixon, and they brought them in for depth last year, but to be starters this year. But they both transferred. Dixon's at Rutgers, Bishop's at West Virginia, and look up yeah. their PFF grades. They have really good PFF grades, both those guys. Yeah. Um, and they managed to hang on to Tyler Newbin, but he can't do it himself. Yeah. And he's going He'll to be, be in the, the NFL, NFL next, NFL next year. year. Yeah. So, and you know that's that was the one guy that they managed to like get the NIL together and keep. Mm-hmm. But everybody else who had a had, like. Who could go out the door went out the door, yeah. and then they just. Kelly McManus could have run the offense that they ran last year, but they don't. I don't know how they get an offensive line again. Like it's, you, it's almost like a full rebuild to get back to the program that right. he was just a year ago. Uh, their insiders say they love their freshman class, but a freshman offensive line class at Minnesota probably takes three years, right, to cook up. So, uh, I do. I do think. Yeah, I do think they have two good young running backs, Darius Taylor and Zach Evans, but they've been often injured this whole season. Darius Taylor's a dude. Yeah, yeah. he's a dude, but he hasn't played in like I know. five weeks. And is he gonna? Stick yeah, who Minnesota. knows? Well, at the end of 2021, they had uh, um, Kai Thomas and Bucky Irvin. They looked great, and then they both transferred, and Bucky Irvin is lighting yeah. up for, for Oregon. I, the bad news for all of us is we get to see Minnesota play one more time. Despite the fact they're 5-7, and seven, we're missing three bowl spots. JMU and Jackson State, go Rich Rod, took up two of them. Minnesota by APR is the number one 5-7 and seven team, so they are going to be bowling. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> finally, Michigan State, zero. Penn State, 42. Total yards in this game, 586 oh to 53. I don't think we need to talk about anything that happened in this game. Michigan State just laid down at the end right. of a disastrous year. Right. Can, we, I, can I just mention the, the fourth downs they faced before they punted? Here, second half. Fourth and 23, fourth and 25, fourth and 21, fourth and 29, fourth and 12, fourth and 14. And that wasn't even the worst of it. In the first half, when it was still 13 nothing, they got all the way down to the Penn State 15-yard line, first and 10, and they ended up punting on fourth and 31. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw, right. <laughs> I saw some Penn State people on Twitter be like, oh, this is a pretty good uh, finish for the season. Maybe Drew Aller can... Really break it? I'm like, no, no, this is no, not. No, this is not data. Yeah, this is yeah. not data. I mean, Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy became Heisman Trophy favorites the day after they played Michigan State. Yeah. Ohio State thought they had fixed their offense the day after they played Ohio State. There's a through line you know, here. Yeah. yeah, Brian, how many rushing yards did you have oh, this weekend? God. Uh, zero. Okay, you did 35 yards better than Michigan State. Well, there you go. Yeah. So they did make a good coach yeah. hire, which is I agree. a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of the probably the best guy they could have gotten. Well, they took advantage of the Pac-2 <laughs> yeah. because they hired Oregon State's uh, Jonathan Smith, who probably has a middle initial that we'll find out if his special teams become a complete disaster. Yeah. Yeah. But an Oregon State guy who actually built that program into something half-decent, I do kind of wonder how much of that is because they lucked into DJU after he looked absolutely horrible at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Turns out maybe that's more of a Clemson thing than a DJU thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but 
he's a real coach with a real resume, unlike Mel Tucker, who in one year at Colorado was like five and seven, and they're yeah. like, let's make you the highest paid right. coach in America. And like, we'll see how it works out. I haven't really dove into his uh, resume too much, but you know, it seems like a solid hire. Yeah, um, Oregon State was seven and twenty-three in the three years before they hired Smith, and hadn't been to a bowl game in five years. They were one and eleven the season before they hired him. Here, here is here is how his seasons went: two and ten, then up to five and seven. We're going to ignore the twenty twenty COVID year, right? Let's just yeah. scratch the COVID year out. And then seven and six, ten and three, so better every year. This year they fell back to eight and four, but their last two losses, we've just seen them against Washington and Oregon, and I thought they held their own in those in those games against top ten um, top ten teams. He uh, has an extensive history of coaching under Chris Peterson, be it at Boise or Washington. He was his quarterback's coach and his offensive coordinator. And those teams went to a BCS game. They won Pac-12 titles. They actually were in the playoffs in 2016. So Other defense. Well, true. But, I mean, I think they had some offense. I mean, Boise's always been known for offense. But I agree with what Brian said. This guy has got tons more on his resume than Mel Tucker did. Yeah, and you, you do wonder if it's – that one similarity is like you get one key player through the portal and they had, and is that the reason that Mm -hmm. you're more competitive than you are usually? Eh, Probably not since he sustained some success over three years, but you know, I mean, I re I, I, I'm a Michigan fan. So I'm looking for reasons that won't work out here, but uh, he was a current Michigan state's roster is one. Right. Right. So he's (laughs) starting from pretty, from pretty low. He's, Probably well, a really he came over and took over a one and eleven Oregon true. State yeah. program. This is new, right? But how long are they going to give him at Michigan State if they're paying him whatever it took to get him out of his alma mater? Because he knew what Oregon State is, and then he coached out at Boise for years, so he was like a guy made for Oregon State. And you take him mm-hmm. out of that and just be like, okay, we're going to give you Michigan State money instead of all of your history that's out there and all of the you know that. I wonder if Michigan State is a good fit for him. I think he was a great pick for Michigan State. Um, I mean, he's run a state before, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. been the, the, the little I mean, brother program before. But he did it as – and he's a positive guy. Like, when you hear him talk and when you talk about what his program's about, it's a lot more positivity than negativity. Now, I personally think Michigan State could use – a lot more positivity and not be the troll program. I mean, yeah, he might but, be the first coach at Michigan State in a long time who's not just an insufferable, yeah, like mm-hmm. curmudgeon. Yeah, which will that work at Michigan State? Well, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, this has been a very incompetent team for the last two years. So, I mean, even if even if they go five and seven next year and they, you know, are in ball games, they're not playing. I mean, every game is thirty-one nine. 42 nothing. Yeah, they're, but they're going to have know. to hit the portal for everybody. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I don't think any of their current quarterbacks no. are an answer. Like, their line is okay, but I don't know how many of those guys they're losing, and they have, like, nothing on defense. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I I think it's a bad fit for Jonathan Smith. That's my personal take. I think that well, they're right. they going to have a new president. The new president's yeah. going to fire Holler because he's an idiot. And then you're going to have a situation where your You underestimate the chance that Holler is the new president. Because <laughs> nobody else wants that yeah. job. God. Smith, though, almost had to take this job. Um, Oregon State has three games on their schedule next year. And I know that they are trying to work out agreements with the American and the Mountain West, but those schedules aren't. So he's looking at a lot of, even though he loves his alma mater and he's got things going there, 
I what's, feel so what's the bad future for, there right now? This is colored a little and, bit by having an Oregon State friend who's like just broken up about all this stuff. But he's like, this was the thing we were hanging on to. Yeah. That like he was going to pull it together, and then we were going to be the team that everyone dumped on and didn't want to play and didn't want to. And we were just going to, we were going to be this like little beacon of hope where college football still lives. And this just ripped their hearts out. Well, I mean, they should have seen the writing on the wall. You know, about a week ago, he was asked to, uh, to comment on his agent you know, going around looking for jobs, and he was like, good, that's what he's supposed to do. That's why I pay him. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jamie. Uh, it's been a tremendous season. Thank yes, you for all your content. I think we'll talk to you next year at this point. Sounds great, yeah. Perfect. I had a lot of fun. the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. This is your day, Ohio State. Dig deep and find those excuses and put them on Twitter. Who's got it better than us? No!